This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Sophia Goradica, Vance, Anthony, Cody, Boezy, Jeremy, Brother, Odem Bones, Ali, Nathan, Mr. Ragebomb, Libby, Wes, Dreskel, Aaron, Danielle, Amy, Tia, Lauren, Dave, Jonathan, Scott, Kate, Alex, Isaac, and Karoon. And we all want you to know that you're loved and you're listened to and you're a valuable member of this awesome Horror Virgin community. And if you want to hang out with us, please do so in the Facebook group and Discord servers where we hang out daily. I'm convinced that the reason all the shots are so long in this movie is because they didn't have enough story to fill 89 minutes. I like a three-location town. And there's their house. That's all you need. Obviously, Jody and Michael were in secret agent school when their parents died. I don't know. This this movie is very American to me. Why is it American? Because they were like, oh, there's trouble at the funeral home? Get your gat. Let's go. Like, they, they didn't even talk to anybody about it. <laughs> yeah, he literally gives a 13-year-old a shotgun and tells them to keep it. I wonder how their parents died is all I'm saying. I don't wonder how their parents died. You see a cougar half sticking out of the wall. That was their mom. My type. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into Horror Virgin. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your Horror Virgin Todd, which means I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. And this week, you guys made me watch Phantasm. Phantasm. So was this the first time either of you guys had seen this movie before? Yes. It was my first time as well, Paige. This was my first time as Hell well, although... Yes. I love it when we're all virgins. Yeah, I, had, I knew... <laughs> I knew there were a ton of these. Like, I knew that there were, like, six or seven of them. What? I can't believe they made a sequel to this, <laughs> and they made <laughs> six or seven? After seeing the first one, I have thoughts. I think, and I haven't seen any of the sequels either, I think what must happen is that by the time they get around to sequels, they have more world building. Okay, yeah. And and they expand on things. So it probably, the sequels probably make more sense in a week. Because this movie makes a negative amount of sense. <laughs> Whoa, this movie makes so much sense. Oh, Mikey. No, it does not, Mikey. Mikey, no. Mikey, there is barely a movie here. Let me lay it down to you. Oh, yeah. Why don't you lay it down to us? On another planet with <laughs> high gravity. A race of people need undead slaves. Mikey, you could just call it Arrakis because that's clearly what they want this movie to Multiple be. Multiple things there are in this so movie are stolen from Dune. Yes. It's a Dune spinoff. They have a Dune cantina, Paige. They have a Dune box. Okay, so this movie 100% is if you took the plot of Dune sort of and the plot of Star Wars the original movie and squished them together on Earth and made it a horror film. Except that we don't even learn that until 10 minutes from the end of the movie. I know. The bulk of the movie is just... It's a mystery, page. But nothing happens, Mikey, so there's no <laughs> so mystery. Much I said I was gonna lay out the so plot So little here. happens. I'm laying out the plot here. So, please. Arrakis sends a spaceship to Earth. <laughs> this is not on screen. They create a funeral parlor like 200 years ago they take all the bodies and ship them to arrakis as condensed people that can survive on the high gravity and what happens is the funeral parlor guy he likes to recruit bodies when that small town's not dying high enough so he transforms into a blonde woman and really proud of his boobies so he shows his boobies off all the time he doesn't transform into a, a blonde woman like you see many shots of the the blonde woman and him standing next to each other no that's a different blonde woman that's a different blonde woman are God. you sure no yes. there are so many blonde women in this movie i lost track of who was 
was who. Yeah, because this is the 70s where literally any man, regardless of looks or talent, can be in a movie, but women still have to be supermodels. I can't. <laughs> I literally had that conversation with Natalie while we were watching it. No joke. <laughs> Swear to God. It was about Reggie because he's bald as fuck with like the long ass bed skirt mullet behind him. You guys are not letting me finish my synopsis. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We will criticize Reggie's ice cream man looks later. Okay. Later. Okay. Oh, we have a lot to unpack with that. But I mean, so he turns his blonde woman. He lures lonely men to the cemetery by going to the bar. And then they come back to the cemetery, stabs him in the heart like yep. uh, the dude from the beginning. Yeah. And then uh, steals the body and ships it to Arrakis. But, <laughs> but before he puts it in Arrakis, he puts it in a keg. He pressurizes the body, and then he sends it to Arrakis. Yeah. That's how you make it. It's yeah. the fermentation of, of how you do that. Yeah, that's how you make a Jawa. We all know. Yeah, like, we, we exactly. know. Yeah. <laughs> I did call them Jawas throughout my entire they're Jawas. Same. I was There's like, they're Jawas. They're fully okay. Jawas. They are. And then... He, they accidentally kill a musician and his out-of-work musician friend who has a cool car goes to the funeral, but his brother has a lot of needy issues and follows him and then sees the guy pick up a coffin. Then the brother kind of loses I, okay, a little bit. Mikey, I have to stop you because what you're describing sounds like a Patreonicles episode and like yes. we don't do that until the end of the show. So like what is happening in this movie? Even as Patreonicles as it sounds, Half of what you've described is not in the movie. <laughs> it's in the movie. So then he he was like, who do I consult about a weird thing happening at the funeral parlor? The fortune teller who gives me fortunes and stuff and makes things disappear and reappear. And that makes sense. Oh, you mean the Benny Jesuit priest? Yes. Or priestess? Priestess. Yeah. And then Jawas start falling around because the dude figures it out. So then the <laughs> brothers are like, Gat up, bitch. Let's fucking kill some aliens. And then you have a movie. I don't understand what you guys didn't get. First of all, I didn't get half of that on the screen, yeah. which is why this movie made no sense. If this movie actually needed to be 90 minutes because they added in what you just described, it would have been much better. There is so little dialogue in this movie and so many just long shots of people walking or people running and trying to catch up with cars, which drove me nuts. Paige, I'm going to tell you something. You would probably hate all movies before 1930. I wouldn't. I would, oh, before 1930, yes. I thought you were going to say in the 70s. And I was like, no, there are good movies in the 70s. Yeah, I Buster promise. Keaton sucks. Chase that car and held on to it. <laughs> that house almost crushed him. Whatever, Buster. But I but by that I mean there's so little dialogue and what we're seeing on the screen is not furthering the story. So you un, up until like minute 65 of this 89 minute movie, <laughs> I had no more information than I did at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. It was just all a mystery. Just like Knives Out. No, Knives Out, you're gaining information the whole time. What are you talking? Anyway. And I had a cable knit sweater on Chris Pine or Chris uh, Evans. It was Chris Evans. Yeah. Chris Evans in a cable knit sweater. Yeah. If you've ever wanted to see a Jawa be shot in the head with a Desert Eagle, this is Star the film Wars. for you. <laughs> they never get shot in the head with a Desert Eagle. Yeah, they don't have Desert Eagles in the George Lucas miniverse. Yeah, yeah. we wouldn't go to Tatooine as Americans unless there was oil there. There's there probably is. <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard this. When they like set up and play guitar and Reggie comes over and plays the solo or whatever, or plays um, yeah. plays uh, acoustic while the other guy plays a solo, the solo is... <laughs> 
the ice cream man does look like he's from Star Wars. So do the Jawas, you insane person. <laughs> That's what we were talking about. His ponytail, he would definitely be flying like yellow three. Oh no, pull up. And he's like, ah, red no, five coming by. Uh, I- <laughs> Honestly, he might be Porkins later on. Well, here's who I thought that he he was maybe 40 years in the future. And then I IMDB'd to make sure and check and he was not that I could find is uh Walt's brother-in-law on Breaking Bad <laughs> no that because is definitely he not him full looks like that guy <laughs> and the guy who plays Reggie is still a working actor now well yeah he's in all the fantastic well he's also done a bunch of other stuff but like you're right they're small not small stuff but yes yeah, yeah it yeah. is very small stuff but he's still working good for him okay let's do let's do what I call in therapy like a positive approach. Like I thought the tall man was pretty creepy. Sure, but I didn't know what he was or why I should be scared of him for 90% of the movie. Also, an old man on an apple box is not scary to me. Like I didn't find the tall man scary at all. I did. Did you find him scary when he put his hands up and did like the, ooh, I'm gonna get you at the little kid? Is that when he scared you, Mikey? No, he scared me when they cut his hand off and it was all yellow. Okay, right? that, okay, okay. Full disclosure, that did gross me out. Also, okay, I think the sphere going in that guy's head. Oh, and you like, mean the hunter seeker from Dune? Yeah, I know what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. I thought that death was great. And that was like one of the first deaths where he pees himself when he falls <laughs> yes! down. I was like, I've never seen tense. that in the movie. I I've wrote that never down. seen it. Yes. yes, I did. I wrote that down too. I was like, whoa, okay, yeah. realism. I was like, this death is intense. It might be one of my favorite hard deaths because he's like, Ooh. Mikey, okay. Looks, when I saw the, the orb flying and then the, the knives come out of it, I started laughing because that was silly. And then it stuck right. in his head and started drilling. And literally, I went from laughing to gagging in like four seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a date with me. <laughs> oh. Why would they be gagging after laughing, Mikey? I think if they're laughing, there probably would be no reason to gag. Because they were drinking water and they were oh. laughing and they, okay. they choked on it. Sure, you guys sure, are perverted. Sure, sure. Got you. And Mikey, yes, I am. <laughs> it, it's a very cool death. I just, I wanted more of anything i guess because because like well Paige, the good news is we have there's six seven more, more. <laughs> <laughs> you're about to get more of everything i looked at this like a nice appetizer like a little cracker a little jawa a little salmon a little tall guy lots of american kids shooting guns at monsters oh yeah i mean there's a lot of guns like i i guess for me it was like so little actually happens in this movie yeah. in an hour and a half so little that and and at first I was like, wow, they're really kind of taking their time with these shots or whatever. Like, interesting. They don't have a lot of time. It's only 90 minutes. And then the longer <laughs> the movie went and the more it was just these long shots of stuff with nothing happening. I was like, what? Is, what are we going to do here? Well, uh, they they kept going back. So here's the the main plot is they were worried their parents got turned into Jawas. And that's why they kept going. back. That doesn't get introduced <laughs> until the last 15 minutes of the movie, I know. Mikey. Mikey, that's only in the last. 15 minutes and then we honestly it doesn't matter we reveal this whole thing has just been a bad dream it wasn't a bad dream because he popped up and it boy and there's seven more movies and there's seven more movies but also the i mean the bad dream doesn't make any no sense. it doesn't like, no it none doesn't. of that makes and sense i love that but here's the thing it's like so they've gone to this fucking mortuary like 17 times in this movie yeah it's one of the three locations page it's one of the Paige, three locations yeah. and it is <laughs> wallpapered 
to look like marble because you can yeah. tell because there's a repeating pattern. It's one of the worst set decks I've ever seen. <laughs> I was super into it, but it does look terrible. I was it's very terrible. into it's it. It's funny though, Paige. It's, ter- I mean, it's, it's hilariously bad. Yes, yes. Okay. 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 Paige, they don't have marble to bring with them from Arrakis. I don't understand why you have to attack this movie. No, I'm just saying you could paint fake marble better than the wallpapering that they did. Because you would just like take white paint and then take a sponge with gray paint and walk around. Yeah, honestly. It would be so easy. Anyway, so like between that, which is bonkers, and the fact that we go to that location so many times and gain zero information, none, nothing. And then it's the last 15 minutes they're like, Turns out it's a portal to another planet, and they're slaves, and this. And I'm like, why are you just yelling this at me in the last 15 And then Reggie runs up, and he's like, I helped everybody escape. And I'm like, that would have been nice to see on screen. Something could have fucking happened. (laughs) What are we doing? And then they're just like, turns out it was a dream all along. What the fuck? What the literal fuck? Patreonicals, the movie. Yes, I love it, it is. I mean, honestly, it is. Like, the way this movie ends is why I hate Atonement so much. I mean, Ugh. I get it atonement because this so bad. Atonement has a very atonement. similar ending. Because you love those characters, and then at the end, they're like, I killed them all because I'm yeah. the worst younger sister of all time. And also, I wasted the last two hours of your life telling you a story that didn't even happen in my reality. And James McAvoy was having hot sex in that library, and I ruined it. <laughs> James McAvoy could get it, though. Like, dude is great. Yeah. I love James McAvoy. Love James McAvoy. I like Mike, man. I like the kid Mike. He sees a problem. Does he go to the authorities? No. No. He goes to the shotgun. That's what he does. Yeah, he goes to the gun safe, pulls out <laughs> it, pulls it all out, and he deals with his business. You got a Jawa chasing you home? You're going to wake your brother up from sleeping? No, you know he'd punch you in the face if you woke him up. <laughs> it was the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> so you grab a gun instead. Listen, I get that Like every time they're driving somewhere, they're in danger of a Jawa scavenging their car, so they have to be armed. I get it. Honestly, I've been watching a lot of Archer, and the older brother to me was just Archer- <laughs> dealing with this problem <laughs> oh my god yeah i could see that i do love that like the older brother gives his younger brother a shotgun and a beer in this movie and the kid's 13 yeah i it was legal back then it was 79 i don't know that it was legal <laughs> you couldn't buy a beer without getting a shotgun back then <laughs> oh no i'm not like he lets the 13 year old drink and have a shotgun Right, right, right. But he could he drives his cool car, which was a cool car. Oh yeah, he lets him drive his car too. But like the older brother drives 130 miles an hour everywhere. Oh, also, this movie has the mad uh madman Mars problem of people just appearing wherever we need them to be at any given time. <laughs> it's called teleporting page. It's a story device. <laughs> yeah, if you can teleport from one planet to another planet using nothing other than a big tuning fork, I can assume that you can teleport from location to location within the same planet too. Yeah, but it was more the younger brother would just and, and it would be like, I followed you, but it's like on foot. That would have taken forever. Oh, Paige, like, you're absolutely right. And I have to point out something immediately that really made me laugh in the movie. There's like a 10 minute like thing between Jody and the younger brother about him not going to the funeral home that last time or whatever. Right, right, and right. he locks him in his room and Jody leaves, right? And then right. the kid gets out of the room and then runs downstairs and the tall man is just just picks him up and takes him where he wanted to go. <laughs> <laughs> like that made no sense to me. Well, not only that, 
I don't know why they went back to the house when the tall man has already broken into the house once. He clearly knows their address. I know. Go to a different place. What are we? <laughs> well, they don't have another set. No, but Archer was like, I'm going to stick this, uh, <laughs> stick this screwdriver in this door so you can't escape. And the little brother, who's also a secret agent, blows a hole in the door to escape. Oh, you mean Minnie MacGyver? Yeah. He makes yeah. a yeah. shotgun hammer. It's well, you insane. see, they go to private school called Secret Agent Training School. <laughs> it's not in the film. But if you open your mind to what would make this <laughs> film make sense. I'm not going to open your mind. I'm just going to search a, a photo gallery of guys wearing that same sweater from Knives Out. And that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> well, maybe we should get into this movie so we can actually go through the plot scene by scene. Maybe we can make sense of it while we do that. I mean, good luck, but sure. Doubt it. So we open on a, a big old house. Uh, or mortuary. We will find out it's a it's a mortuary. I thought it was a big ass house too, Paige, but it is a mortuary. Yeah, it's also a big ass mortuary. Yeah, it's a huge mortuary, which it seemed at the end to Rocky Horror and disappear and go to a different planet. May- well, it doesn't matter. It was just a dream. Anyways, fuck this movie. <laughs> anyway, uh, there's people having sex in the cemetery, and we get a close up of teeth. Mikey, did you like the tooth close up? Uh, so many. I also like that this guy is like the laziest person to have sex with of all time. And their legs are in the wrong position. I they know. keep cutting I from their that. legs. Just, just grind on me. Just, yeah. <laughs> We're going to be parallel. Because she's on top, but her legs are flat. Like she's just laying Straight. flat on top like of the guy. Like she's just a sea lion. And just like. <laughs> <laughs> They're both starfishing, Paige. My Ugh. favorite part about this movie is that there's, well, one, there's two scenes of the kid whispering, what the fuck, which cracks me up each time. Yes, Hilarious. I love it. Very yeah. funny. Each time she murders someone she like takes off her top and then the guy's always like yeah that's really nice and I'm like <laughs> she's like I haven't done that since I was like 17 honestly Mikey acted it better than they did in the movie <laughs> I-, I feel like they're 20 where you're just like wow boobs I'm still here for them thanks for showing me I mean Mikey I'm way over 20 and I still feel that way you keep it to yourself now Here's my thing, though, because this these are is the 1970s and these are fake boobs in the 1970s. So at one point she takes her shirt off and like one of them gets stuck and it's like (laughs) stuck like it it doesn't move Mm -hmm. like they are immovable boobs. Well, you see, Paige, he's a tall man from Arrakis. He doesn't know how (laughs) boobs work all the way. (laughs) He assumes they all feel like a bag of sand. Yeah, that's why he's just. Laying flat because he like read about humanity. <laughs> He's like, does this feel good? That actually makes sense. That he <laughs> wouldn't know. Wow. Okay. And and then it's always just drunk dudes in the cemetery. Yeah. So they're too drunk. To, they're just like, yeah. They're too drunk. <laughs> yes. And, there's a lady here. Yeah, the one thing the tall man's like is like they like these uh, perky things in the front. Open the shirt. Yeah. Oh wow. Thanks. Those are great. Mm. <laughs> Those are nice. <laughs> And what you hear is him responding, thanks. Like, thanks, thanks. boy. Stab. <laughs> exactly. That way they die very confused about who they're inside of. I love they're like, it was a suicide. I was like, he was very clearly stabbed, stabbed multiple in times chest. in the chest. When they stabbed say it the was chest. a suicide, I was like, there is no way a man stabbed them, <laughs> like committed seppuku in this cemetery. Like, there's no way. Just another ritual suicide here at the cemetery with the same kind of knife. If I had any woman be like, let's leave the bar and go to the cemetery to hook up. I'm like, I just met you and like, this is crazy, but listen, I. <laughs> but here's my number. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's fuck on gravies. Uh, I just realized I was today years old when I realized that Jody and Tommy, his best friend who dies in the first scene of the movie, would have basically 
boned the same girl via the old man? Yeah, they would have been. Ooh. Yeah. If the 13-year-old little brother hadn't followed his older brother to watch him fornicate in a graveyard and then got freaked out, he would have gone through with it. I th- I thought he got in there just personally because we do see his butt and stuff. Guy, look, 13-year-olds got really desperate. It's before the internet. Oh, this is when you, to find pornography, I guess you walked into the woods. The woods. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a very dark time. I'm so glad I grew up in a time of pornography on the internet. Yeah. You heard it here, folks. You've never watched porn, Mikey? Never. <laughs> uh, you can tell whose mom listens to this podcast. I also love that he, like, on Romancing the Pot, he was like, y'all never heard of Ghost Nipple? <laughs> Literally last week, Paige! Yes. Yes, Paige. <laughs> you have to use your hands? Was this a kid's toy? <laughs> oh. So we do show Tommy has, like, a giant cross necklace, which I thought was pretty funny. Yes, he does. Because, like, your first thought is, like, vampires, werewolves? No, it's ghosts? aliens from Arrakis. Aliens. Through the tuning fork. Through the tuning fork. <laughs> but if you put your hands on it. Um, the tall man has an orgasm. So, something <laughs> happens. Yeah, we didn't get information about what. The house disappears. It goes back to Arrakis. Uh, no, because he's able to get out before that happens. Is that part of the dream, though? Wait, it is part of the dream. It's all part of the dream. No, Nothing it's not a dream sense. because they're sequels. They're, it can't be a dream. They're sequels. The movie said it's a dream, Mikey. Yes. But then he shows up and drags him off. So that has to be the real ending. But that doesn't explain Jody's death or like... There are so many things that this movie ha- like explains away with a dream that it has to at some point be partially a dream. We just don't know if what. you give custody of my children after I die to my friend who has a rat tail and he gives out <laughs> ice cream and definitely looks like he is on the list somewhere. I'm pretty sure he sells the ice cream. I don't think Reggie's like a nefarious dude. I think he just has a weird He's job. like, you're going to ride me in the ice cream truck today? It's going to get hot and heavy. I'm going to be slinging them <laughs> ice creams. And I was like, this guy has a weird vibe and I don't like him. Right. But that's why they were given 13-year-olds shotguns back in the day because ice cream men looked this way. anyway we cut to tommy's funeral the next day with one of the craziest shots i've ever seen where we have the mortuary in the background and then jody and reggie just walk from each side of the camera into the foreground and are like hello jody hello Hello, reggie Reggie. are you here for the funeral (laughs) i have to go now reggie to talk to someone (laughs) yeah hell of a way to end a trio yeah it's like a student film but that student is in the fifth grade okay 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 (laughs) i have a side conversation that i've been holding on to and i've been holding on to it too long Paige, i love it how much that got you i knew it would i love it (laughs) this is exactly right yeah hellraiser has eight sequels More than eight. More than eight. This movie has seven sequels. Which franchise is weirder that it has so many sequels? Which is weirder? Phantasm. Which is better? Phantasm. (laughs) I mean, here's what I'm going to say. I am more invested in the expanded universe of Phantasm than Hellraiser. (laughs) Yeah, the PCU. Yeah. The PCU. However. In Phantasm 4, the Lord of the Sith comes through the house. (laughs) (laughs) What if... Palpatine was on Earth at this funeral home until the rise of Skywalker. If Palpatine didn't have spinal issues, he would be the tall man. Snope was the tall man. Think about it. I have a friend who is very into Hellraiser. So do and I. watched the new one and wrote a very 
actually interesting like post about liking parts of the new one but being frustrated that he felt like they didn't capture what Hellraiser was about and his thesis statement about what he believes that Hellraiser as a franchise is about because I guess he read the books and stuff too and and he was like based on the book and this I was like okay that might actually make me want to watch Hellraiser what's the franchise about well, so he thinks it's about it's a <clears throat> warning of the excesses of Earth and that this is basically a like caution against pushing your limits both sexually and in other ways beyond what you can control or pull back. It's just like Phantasm. <laughs> sure. <laughs> can you slide horizontally with another person <laughs> to do the sex? I can try with my husband later, but I don't think You've he's going to be happy it too about far. it. <laughs> now aliens have come to turn you into Jawas. I mean, I'm pretty sure if I just did that to Jake with no warning, he'd be like, can you get off? Like, wh- what are you? Wh- move. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, I'm trying to sleep. Thank you. Because this is not initiation. This is what are weird. you, the cat? Just... <laughs> if you guys could make Jawas out of dead bodies, would you? Yes. yes Why no? is that a question? <laughs> yeah. You don't think I want a Jawa dad and a Jawa brother that I can help me around the house? That would be great. You don't think it would be traumatic? I think I'd have to trade off my family for someone else's so I could yell at strangers to, like, do my laundry. I think it would be very, I think it would be awesome, honestly, to have, I mean, because I, I would assume at this point I also speak Jawa. So, like, I could communicate with my dad and brother. I think it would be great. I'd love it. No, I, they're not your dad and brother. They just have the head of your dad and brother. Then absolutely not. No, that would be very That's yeah, what I mean. hard for me. Those yeah. were not the same people because they kept trying to kill him. That wasn't Tommy. I don't know. Tommy probably did want to kill Jody. Yeah, because he stole his girl. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? Are you sure it wasn't that R-word kid from down the street? Oh, oh my God. We can't talk about it. It's one of the worst <laughs> lines of this movie. Yeah. But also, I did, here's the thing. The second I saw the Jawas in this movie, I was like, oh, Jawas. But then they didn't speak Jawa. Like, you know how Jawas have their, like, Houdini? Yeah, yeah, they're they're like, I'm going to download this movie from, I'm assuming, YouTube for free. And then I'm just going (laughs) to add in Jawa talking sound effects every scene they're in. With the same John Williams score. They're like, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the Jawa theme. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But yes, yeah, so back back to the movie. They're standing in front of it like an elementary school video uh, to demonstrate their vocabulary. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> Mortuary. I'm going like, yay. So they go to the funeral. But we cut away uh, to inside the mortuary where Jody's walking around. He goes to find his parents graves. Yeah. And th- and this is, again, very clearly some set or something somewhere that they have just wallpapered with real fake marble wallpaper. Yeah. I loved it. I love the set design. I love it I too, Mikey. It's movie. terrible. Unabashedly, yeah. I was like, how have I not watched this? I, I think I would love it if more happened. Does that make sense? Like, like same level of craziness, but I need more to happen. Yeah. I mean, Paige, I completely agree. That's why we have six or seven sequels to get through. Yeah, that would have been fine if they were vampires or whatever, but like they had to unpack a galactic order. Okay. Like it's- they didn't, I mean, they like could have, but they didn't do that in this movie. I thought it was vampires or something right up until they're like, we're aliens friends. Yeah. And then I was like from Transylvania. Uh, like how is this the worst Rocky Horror sequel because unfortunately Richard O'Brien didn't have anything to do with this page I know I watched Rocky Horror Picture Show last night 
Not even joking. I watched Young Frankenstein the other night. I'm surprised you didn't go down to the Belcourt and go to the big uh, Rocky Horror show. We already had plans to watch Rocky Horror with some friends and then immediately after that watch Little Shop of Horrors, which I have not seen yet. And neither had <gasps> Natalie, so it was our first time. I love it. Really. I can't believe I haven't seen it. I love it so much. I don't normally take notes for movies. I normally watch them and then we immediately record, so I don't need them. But this movie is so crazy. Like 15 minutes in, I was like, I got to grab my iPad. I, 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 need, I, 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 I have to take notes. There's so much shit going on. It was wild. Anyway, he's walking through these very fake plywood hallways and yeah. uh, he hears a sound from one of the tombs. He's visiting his parents' grave. Yes. He does. He visits his parents' grave. That we cut outside to a guy who's just doing motorcycle tricks on graves in the graveyard. <laughs> Why is he riding his motorcycle through the graveyard? Here's the best part. That motorcycle never comes back. Never appears again. Never appears again in the film. <laughs> Mike steals the other secret agent car from now on. He runs on foot for the rest of this film. Yeah. He had a motorcycle. It's just gone. And we never see it, like, destroyed. Well, we do see it stall. Sure. But he. But we also know that he's, like, a whiz kid mechanic, apparently. He's a secret agent. He's in secret agent school. They all have all the skills to fight an alien invasion. They can do traps. They can shoot junk. I know that you're emotionally invested, but none of that's on the screen. <laughs> all of it's on the screen. Because he can shoot like a whiz. He can drive cars. Both brothers can make bombs out of nothing. They don't need any help from authorities. And they can create traps and mine shafts. And, like, Mike somehow blew up an avalanche. So, like, it's, there's it's no other there, possibility. There's no clues. There's there, no other possibilities. The possibility is they didn't complete this movie. <laughs> They're spy kids. I go into a movie and I say, what backstory would make this story make sense? And you've got to join me on that journey. Oh, Mikey, I am fully with you on this journey. <laughs> and I hope Phantasm 2. Is the Phantasm prequel And we get their spy school story Mike just got back from Nicaragua When they dropped him <laughs> off To help with the coup And then he Actually, came back I think Mikey that coup was in the 80s wasn't it Find something in the 70s Okay you might be right But I'm just saying He just got back from his first spy mission His parents were spies They were killed on a mission They loved them a lot well, I mean, I love the movie you're describing. That's not the movie we watched, That's just though. not this movie. This is not the movie we watched. Right. Anyway, so he's popping wheelies on grandma's gravestones and shit. Uh, and the bike <laughs> stalls out. So he, he kind of like falls, but he hears a weird noise and like hides behind some of the graves. And he keeps hearing that same noise. And what's he pull out? Spy binoculars. He does. <laughs> he absolutely does. I love it. And we, and we literally get by vision where it's just like the binoculars view. And he like scans over the graves graveyard to the old the old tall guy picking up the thing by itself the casket by itself and walking it into the back of the hearse and like stealing the body more or less well that i mean that's a few scenes from now because before that shit sorry sorry back inside the mortuary where the brother's still hearing that noise and kind of like see somebody like duck behind a hallway and he follows it and the tall man is yeah he sees a jawa and the tall man is just like the funeral is about to begin, sir. And he's like, okay. He literally says, sir. okay, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Another reading of this. Another reading of this whole film. Mikey, we need to read the film. Is that the tall man is Willy Wonka's brother, but he took he, he is making Oompa Loompas, except they're Jawas. Mm-hmm. Is Willy Wonka from Arrakis? The world will never know. <laughs> it makes sense. That <laughs> Willy Wonka's elevator goes straight to the top to Arrakis. Is Slugworth a Benny Gesserit? Yeah. Um, anyway, so they go to the funeral, and he and Reggie have this like 
Good thing that like your brother didn't come. He had nightmares after the last funeral, but like he'll be fine at home. Meanwhile, the brother's there, has been there the whole time in his yeah. binocular looking at everything. Yeah. So this is where the little brother through the binoculars sees the tall man pick up Tommy's casket just by himself, which is also very clearly made of plywood and cardboard. It would have and to you be can tell they're are very heavy, but also it's still impressive with the plywood. No, he breaks it as he picks it up. And they show the same scene over and over and he cracks the top of the coffin as he picks it up. He don't need it no more. He's making a Jawa. I mean, he doesn't need that casket anymore. Although if you were like grave robbing day one of the body being in the casket, I would just resell the casket too. I mean, I know there's not like a used casket market, but like there could be. There definitely is. Uh, People just don't don't know that they're used, I think. Well, I guess that's true. Which brings me to a thought that I had watching this movie, because later in the movie, we'll see the little brother in like a room of caskets. Yeah. And I just kept thinking, why the fuck does anyone buy a casket? You're going to pay like 10 grand for a thing that's just going to bury in the ground and you're never going to see it again? Like, yeah. why would anyone choose to do that? Well, you see, the funeral industry, and I watched a lot of Six Feet Under, they're very emotionally exploitive. Like, do you want your loved one oh, 100%. being in an oak box? I mean, or do you want that fucking marble slab fucking awesome thing? Take my organs that you can use for science or whatever and then just burn the rest. I'm not using it. Like, I have no ties. I don't need a... And maybe that's just because we're a cremation family. I don't know. I think it has to do with the belief that some uh, Christians have that, you know, your body will come back or whatever. And so they want to preserve, which I get. Yeah. Like, that's fine if that's your belief. I don't, I don't care. But I sort of. That actually makes sense. Now that you bring that up, that makes more sense to me. Yeah. So it's like a preserving the body for that resurrection, if you will. I guess. Yeah. In my flavor of Jesus, your body doesn't matter. It's your human form. And once you're done with it, you're done with it. Taxidermy me, man. I'm ready. Oh, jeez. Human taxidermy is terrifying. <laughs> Mikey just posed like a bear taxidermied, and it is amazing. <laughs> With a salmon in your mouth? Yeah. <laughs> just like, <laughs> <laughs> He died like he lived, drowning for salmon. <laughs> <laughs> wow, real weird piece you have in the horror virgin offices. Well, we wanted to commemorate Mikey in a yeah. way that he would appreciate. Anyway, so, Mike tries to ride his motorcycle away, but the old man just like laser visions it and it doesn't work anymore or whatever. So he walks down the road to a sign that has a red hand on it and goes into what looks like a creepy abandoned house, but it's just this girl and her grandma living together telling fortunes. Still a little creepy. With like a pure one imports amount of candles, just like a whole candle section. Like date night levels. Yeah, (laughs) it it turns out it's not an abandoned house. It's a Yankee candle factory and (laughs) they're all (laughs) displayed. Now, here's what frustrates me. And I hope that maybe in the sequels, these people come back because that little girl gets full on murdered into being a Jawa and no one addresses it. Right. Later. But also this grandma fully has psychic abilities And it's just a given, and then she never appears again in the story ever again. That's why I think Mike has seen some shit, man, because she makes an object appear and then disappear with his money, and he's like, fucking Tuesday. (laughs) I got to kill everyone at that funeral home for destroying my bike. Yeah. (laughs) Mike holds a grudge. I do (laughs) think we should call her the Benny Jesuit because she is not a grandma. Well, and she's dressed like one, too. She's in she full is. black with the veil and yeah. everything. Yeah. And the stars on their faces. Yeah. She tells Mike what I, as a Mike, heard when I was 17. 
Stick your hand in there. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's also what Paula Trace heard. Yes, that's what I know. Uh, yes. The only difference is she's not holding the gom jabar to his neck. He does it, like, yeah. willingly. Yeah. And then he says what I said, which is like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> and she's like, don't fear it. <laughs> I like how Mikey is turning this very obvious Dune reference into a finger-banging analogy. It's because it, it's the second I saw it, I was like, Dune? It is like, Dune. What? It's the same what? black box. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it does the same thing, too. Like, yes. I don't know, Paige. Every box I've met has worked a little differently. I mean, I think it's just <laughs> your incompetence in handling the boxes, not necessarily the boxes being all that different. Look, I spent three summers working for FedEx. I know how to handle boxes. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies. But, I mean, to, to Todd's point, it is literally exactly a ripoff of Dune. Yeah, almost word for word. Almost word for word. Because yeah. when she puts the box there, I was like, oh, what's in the box? And then she's like, put your hand in the box. I was like, Dune? Put your hand in the box. See, I'm wise enough to know <laughs> when a hand needs clamping. And not, yeah, okay. So oh, anyway, yeah. it's it's a crazy box. It is almost word for word Dune. And it's the same thing of like the box is causing him pain, but he can't move. Like the the key is to stay calm or whatever. To not fear, Paige. To not because fear. Because as we yeah. know from Dune, fear is the mind killer. It like that is it's exactly that. It's exactly that. Wait, we are skipping ahead before his therapy session with her, where he's like. I follow my brother around because he's going to leave me. And I was like, this kid needs a therapist, not a fortune teller. Right? Yeah. And she's like, I told you before, he's not going to leave you. Well, what can I do? Make the box appear. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. What can I do? Role play Dune. Got something for your sandworm, boy. Oh. I really liked her last words, which was like, he's like, what do I do about the funeral home? And she's like, get strapped or get clapped. <laughs> 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 he just raises the gun the, the way they do the swords. Yeah. <laughs> the like up and then across the forehead. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> the box and his money disappears and he leaves. And the, the Benny Gesserit and her daughter are just like, ha ha, money for snacks. <laughs> like, yeah. But then the daughter's just like, or the granddaughter is kind of like, mm, there's something going on in that mortuary though. Right. Let me go mm. check it out. But before that, uh, Jody gets home and Mike has somehow beat slash met him there. Yes. Because he's in the car with him. Yeah, because he can teleport. Yeah. And we do learn that their license plate is from Oregon. Yeah. So they have to be in Oregon, right? So they hop out of the car and Mike like instantly repairs the car in the driveway. He like hops out of the car, takes the latches off, pops the hood and is like, it looks like the film gas gets out of canister. So he like then crawls <laughs> under the car. Yeah, and Jody's like, all right, get, get the fuck to work. I'm going inside to pop a beer. I know, right? <laughs> so he puts his 13 year old to work. Go ahead and underwoof that sub flapper and, you know, get it rolling again. <laughs> exactly. But as he's about to go inside, another car pulls up and it's some guy named Toby who we will never see again after this scene. But he is just there to give exposition because Jody's like, I don't like funerals and the kid doesn't like funerals. He's like, well, I heard you bit on the road. Why would you want to give all that up for this? Which I, I guess means that Jody has been touring in a band, but no one ever explicitly says that. They just say on the road. Paige, that's Jody's cover story. 
He's actually <laughs> Lestat. <laughs> like, He's a secret agent. <laughs> his band. It's not on the screen. I refuse. It, well, neither is him being in a band page. Although I think what you're saying is way more plausible. But like, well, no, he plays with Reggie. Yes, but we never hear anything about the band. Like, I, I'm not saying no. you're wrong. I think you're right. But like, we never see that because this movie's terrible. Yeah. Okay, but playing with your friends at their house is different than being in an actual band, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. Here's my headcanon that I think makes more sense with the evidence on the screen. All right, cool. I think that back in the day, prior to the film, Jody, Reggie, and Tommy were in a band together because it, it implies, I think, that Tommy was a musician as well. And Jody goes solo because he's the only attractive one of the bunch and <laughs> plays across. Now, it also suggests at certain points that Jody was in the army at one point. But we don't get any information about that. But so like Jody's point for me playing around <laughs> the country. Right. Yeah. And then comes back. And that's why he ends up jamming out with Reggie. So I think he is an aspiring solo artist. OK. I mean, I believe that. But I mean, I none think. of that's on the screen. <laughs> no, none of it. But there's nothing he on was the in screen. The Army and he was recruited to the MK Ultra program with the CIA. Oh my God. And he was like, my little brother has potential. That makes as much sense, too. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah i guess but the only reason the army thing is there is because he says your army binoculars oh okay like i used your army binoculars that's it but like the whole jamming out with reggie thing is like that's there i guess it's just like again there's not enough on the screen to complete a story there's just a lot of scenes of mike walking for a long time yeah it's, it's tolkien-esque uh so this Toby character is just like, so you're not going to be on the road, huh? And he's like, well, I'm taking care of this kid, but I'm getting kind of tired of it. Got to ship him off to his aunt because he follows me everywhere. And the kid's just under the car. Like, he's overhearing yeah. this entire conversation. He's within earshot. And then it cuts to, like, just a, like a flashback, I guess. Is it a flashback? That was not clear. But we do see Jody on a bike, like wheeling down the street and Mike running after him because he's a secret agent. <laughs> they were training like Mike Tyson's punch out page. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I, they're not secret agents. If they were, they might have actually found clues or something. <laughs> they didn't need them. They're like, we're going to take a bunch of guns, yeah. go in that building and shoot everybody. That's American. not a secret agent. That's a terrorist. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. we have like a mini flashback to the grandma and the granddaughter where he's like I saw something weird at, at the cemetery this is where she brings out the box because it, it's like this movie can't keep people's locations or scenes or stuff straight no why would they but this is where we get the dune box yeah uh, so we cut back to the house and the ice cream man pulls up and it's Reggie from the funeral. And I was just in my notes. I'm like, of course, this guy is an ice cream man that wants to be in a band. But he and Jody jam out. I think they're really playing. Yeah, no, they're definitely really playing. It's really cool, though, because they're a really playing. Yeah. They got sound in the moment because you can hear them like not playing like the right notes and you can hear them like moving on the strings and stuff. Like it sounds great. I loved it. I thought this was so cool that the, both those actors could do that. Yeah. But this, this informed my backstory of them being in a band together in high school or whatever. And I think that that is way more accurate than Mikey's story, <laughs> but Mikey's story is more fun. You know what I'm saying? We'll just keep going. We're going to gather the evidence scene by scene. And at the end, you, the listener, can decide your backstory. <laughs> uh, anyway, so they're playing together. Meanwhile, at the mortuary, the granddaughter goes to Morningside Mortuary 
goes inside, finds that one door, screams, and disappears. She is gone. The funny thing to me about that scene is we see what's inside that room, and there's nothing even scream-worthy about that room at all. Unless she's seeing him compress them into a uh, tub. I guess that's true. Maybe he was in the room and that's why she screamed. I don't know. Or they left the Arrakis on and she got sucked in immediately. (laughs) They left the Arrakis on? Or maybe Tall Guy was in blonde woman form and was just showing the tits. And she was like, oh! "Oh." (laughs) Or maybe he snatched her and harvested her spice. Like, you know. (laughs) Well, the spice must flow, Paige. Oh my God, I just realized... So the next location is that bar. You mean Dune Cantina? Fuck. This guy just wanted to make Dune. This guy totally wanted to make Dune. That's exactly what he wanted to do. You know, he did really well with a very small budget to make a Dune-like property. He doesn't make a Dune-like property, Mikey. He makes a weird movie where people walk around a graveyard a lot, and then he's got one shot that could maybe be in Dune. Yeah, he he literally made a three-location movie. Yeah. He made a franchise, friends. A franchise. I hate that I have to say this, but you are not wrong. <laughs> anyway, they go to Dune's Cantina. And at first, I thought he had left Mike in the car and he was just going to pick up ladies with Mike in the car. I mean, that's pretty much what happens, though, because Mike is like following him around. Right. But it turns out that Mike just followed him there. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, you see Mike outside the bar looking in the window and then the quickest pickup I've ever seen happens. Because, I mean, here's the thing. You, you got to remember, blondes are evil <laughs> they're just hunting your blood the worst part about dating blondes is the chance that they tur- they're from an alien planet and have turned into a blonde human woman right right like species what yeah. you didn't see is when she blinks it's the wrong way like it's the inside Ooh, of her eye side to side yeah, instead yeah. of front to down exactly yeah so she immediately is like let's get out of here and he's like oh cool it's just down the street and he like Instead of like, hey, let's get in my car, they just walk and she's like, yeah, the grave, on a grave. And then Mike is watching. <laughs> He's like, is your name Mary Shelley? Why are we going to the graveyard <laughs> to fuck? Like, what is happening? I would do it, but only with someone I trusted or I was drunk. I mean, I'm with uh, Natalie and I, you know, are together. So if like Natalie had a kink to do that, I probably would. What if it's a Return of the Living Dead kind of situation where trash and suicide are there and oh. there's like naked oh, dancing? Yeah. Love trash. Partying. Yes. I watched that was on TV the other day and I watched it and I had forgotten about the part with suicide being like, no one understands me. I'm a sensitive guy. I have a one sentence interruption. Okay. The plot of Phantasm 2 is the first film's protagonist, Mike, recently released from a mental institution, (laughs) recruits Reggie and some new friends in an effort to defeat the tall man. Love it. Honestly, no notes. Can't wait to watch it when next we do sequel month. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, uh, even in that sentence, there's so much because like I'm assuming he's in a mental institution because he believes the tall man is still around and the mental institution is like that is a delusion sir so it's even wilder that he's like hey guys help me fight this delusion do you think they're just shutter islanding him i'm not gonna look into it more if phantasm 2 turns out to be shutter island that's your teaser (laughs) gonna lose my mind i hope it does also never seen shutter island i only know of it because of mikey's pranks he pulls at work todd you have to watch it just so we can laugh about it that's a horror movie right i don't know shutter island Island is a mystery thriller, it says. Mm. American neo-noir psychological thriller film by Martin Scorsese. 
Anyway, so they start hooking up on a grave and Mike is watching. And this is the scene where her shirt gets stuck on her boobs, uh, which is kind of funny. <laughs> her rock hard boobs. Yeah, they don't even move. It's wild. <laughs> I do like Mikey's theory of that because he's an alien and transforms <laughs> into her. He doesn't know what boobs first. feel like. So he's like, yeah, like they're like male hard chest muscles, right? <laughs> Bags of sand. Bags okay. of sand, yeah. Darker take two. Only boobs he's touched are dead people's boobs. Oh, Dark but no. accurate yet again, Mikey. <laughs> or, or the boobs are compressed by... 30 to 50 percent which makes them harder yeah they're like jawa boobs you could just say that page everyone would understand what you're saying when we're talking about jawa boobs that's what i say about my jawa penis i'm like it's 30 percent smaller but it's harder (laughs) (laughs) try it you'll probably love it You call it a Jawa penis because you got it off the scrap pile. <laughs> <laughs> if that's if your vitamin water dick is thirty or forty percent smaller than it should be, it's still huge. Look, I don't know what you're going on for should be. This isn't like it's not like everyone would be horse cock cavil if not for the Jawa. <laughs> <laughs> Paige, I don't know if you heard this, but the reason Henry Cavill is not going to be in The Witcher four, season four is because we have signed a deal for him to come back as horse cock cavil <laughs> in a new Superman. So that is oh. definitely happening. My people have reached out to his people. I'm assuming I'll hear back shortly. Yeah, yeah, no. What happens next? <laughs> If Mikey's keeping us on track, that's the sign of a crazy episode. I'm just excited to unpack this for y'all with my backstory. It, your backstory is not in the film. Neither's your backstory. We're going to vote at the end. Oh, fine. Whatever. Anyway, so twigs are snapping. Turns out there's a Jawa in the bushes with Mike. So he runs and he runs out into the graveyard screaming which disturbs Jody, who sits up and has her panties in his mouth. In his teeth. And he refuses to spit them out. He says like three <laughs> lines of dialogue with the panties still in his mouth. Yeah, and he's like, oh, it's my brother. It looks like he's got some kind of problem. <laughs> like with the panties <laughs> in his mouth. He is saying this presumably inside the tall man. Now, as a blonde woman, yeah. right? With yes. her panties in his mouth. Like it's an insane scene. And then he literally, he pulls out. And is like, I got to go see what's going on. You stay here. And he runs after him. Wait. Yes, I thought about this too, Paige. So he transforms his clothes as well into panties? No, no, no. That's not, that was not my question. Does he have to come before he stabs people? I think he likes to make the man finish before he stabs them because then while they're finishing, they're not paying as much of attention. Ah, okay. It's a long con. I think so. I mean, that's what happens with Tommy. Yeah, because th- that's why I asked. Who knows? Maybe the tall man's into look, it. Look, if you if you have a job where you love what you do, you never work <laughs> you never a day work in your a life. Day in your exactly. Life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he doesn't do it with Reggie though, like because he just stabs Reggie. So like, well, yeah, because who would fuck Reggie? <laughs> who would fuck Tommy? Tommy wasn't oh my like God. Tommy's not Chris Evans in a cable knit sweater. Who, he is what are put we doing? next to Reggie. <laughs> oh my gosh. I guess my question is Okay. Why the woman thing at all? <laughs> like he clearly easily kills people you, and, and has an endless supply hey, of dead bodies. <laughs> why the woman thing at all? Why can't he love what he does? I don't understand. But that's my question. So does he have to love what he does to completion to complete it? No, I think 
he transforms into the blonde woman so people don't think the tall man is killing people because he's been in town since 1885 or whatever, like Doc Brown. <laughs> yeah, because he pulls out the old-timey photos. and the, Oh, the that's guy, right. You're right, you're right. You mean right. the old-timey Harry Potter photo that moves? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Nothing. I'm just saying J.K. Rowling ripped off yeah, phantasm. Yeah, phantasm. I 100% to believe that. At least the pictures in Harry Potter. And I think it's Plagiarist. about time she acknowledged it. Yeah. I mean, she's also a terrible person for exactly. a lot of other reasons. Yeah. But also plagiarist. Add it to the list. She won't acknowledge it because of the whole man transforming into a woman. <laughs> thing. I'm oh, sorry. We probably I don't know if we can keep that, but God. that's the most accurate joke of this episode. That is bonkers and so true. Yeah, Mikey, you're right. Oh, my goodness. Anyway. So Jody runs after him and Mike is like, there's something out there. And he's like, uh, okay, why don't you just go home? And he's like, I got to get back to that girl who I left. Like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, I'm trying to get a nut here. Can we? <laughs> can you just go home? Take my car. Yeah. Drive my car home, 13-year-old boy. I'll walk <laughs> post-nut all the way home. That is the most accurate description of a man I've ever heard. I know. <laughs> I think it's wild, but you're right. I think it's crazy that he, like, he sends him off, and then he walks the 10 feet back to wherever that grave was, and then it's just like, oh, she's gone, and now I can't even get a ride. <laughs> And I'm just rock hard. <laughs> Who's chasing the tall man? <laughs> I think it's wild that Paige thinks that Jody had this conversation with Mike while still rock hard. I think so. <laughs> no, it would be I like, think he was no. mid pump. If no. I was having sex and my brother ran up, I'd be like, oh. <laughs> Paige, it was that's... limp when he pulled it out of the tall man. Like that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when he said, that's my brother. He looks like something's wrong. That's the sentence where it just goes. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, What's the opposite? Yeah. Of the, 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 what is that instrument? That you go, the sad trombone sound effect? Yes. I, yeah. Oh, I was going to go with slide whistle. Like, yeah, slide whistle. Oh, yeah, slide whistle. Yes, 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 yeah. And what is a slide <laughs> whistle if not a mini trombone page? <laughs> I mean. I don't know. I, I'm not a fucking nerd. Like, why would I yeah. know that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Todd, Paige and I are Jody's, and you're being you're bringing a lot of heavy Reggie energy into this right now. <laughs> Jody gang. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Anyway, so Mike gets home uh, and goes to bed under what looks like a very cozy blanket. I want that blanket. It looks home crocheted. It's like an Afghan or whatever they're called. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so he has a nightmare where people are screaming uh, in the graveyard. It looks like zombies come up and like try to drag him back into the grave. Yeah. But he wakes up. And we cut to Jody going back to the cantina the next day and Mike follows him. Yeah. And at this point, I noticed that we were 30 minutes into the film and fuck all had happened. Like nothing has happened. Like So much has happened. Yeah, We've been talking Paige, about it. They literally packed two graveyard sex scenes into the first 21 minutes of the movie. Because <laughs> Mike has mouthed what the fuck to the camera twice. Yes. That's true. Okay, so two people have had sex in a graveyard. Well, I would say one and a half because... One of them couldn't finish, yeah. Right, right, right. One, one and a half people have had sex in a graveyard. Mike mouthed what the fuck twice. Right. And we have seen the old man put a coffin in the back of a hearse. That's it. In 30 minutes. Yep. The rest of it was Mike running from location to location on camera. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> inside the bar, Jody's like, hey, did that girl I left with come back? And the bartender says... One of the craziest things in this movie. Which was? Which was, why, you get a hold of something you couldn't handle? <laughs> just, I was like, that could mean so many things. That could mean so many things. <laughs> right? It could mean But when you own a bar things. as big as a shed, you can say whatever the fuck you want. 
I did like that bar. It was it was kind of a cool bar. Anyway, he's like, oh, we were messing around in the cemetery. And he was like, oh, you kids. Uh, and then we cut to Mike, who is at home fixing the car and he's got it propped up. And he hears the Jawas and is like, Jody, is that you? And he's like, no, it's definitely Jawas. And they get in the car and jump in it until it falls, pinning him underneath. Yep. Which could have and probably may have killed him. Like would have maybe. I think it would. I don't. It depends on how low their car is, I guess. But I mean, clearly he's like stuck under it, though, right? Yeah, he's like pinned under it. And yeah. then he has enough room to then hit it, Jody on the foot with the hammer, and then he's automatically out from under the car. Yeah. This whole scene is so like continuity bad. It's hilarious. Well, Love and then it. he's like, Jody, like, they, like, trapped me under the car or whatever. Yeah, the Jawas were here shaking the car or whatever. And Jody came home and the car was down with him trapped underneath it. Something happened. But he's like, are you sure it wasn't that insert horrible slur here, yes. kid, from up the street? Yes. Which, for me, was like, has that been a problem in the past? I mean, probably no. not, but they just like to blame things on that kid because of his intellectual disabilities. I yes. think maybe Jody's just drunk and insensitive. Now, yes, absolutely. In context of the film, back then, that was the medical diagnosis for those issues. Yes. Sure. I don't think that's how he means it. No. no. <laughs> this is why they changed it. Yeah. Stuff like this. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where all those words like imbecile and moron, all that stuff and comes stupid. from yeah. medical terms. Yeah. yeah. So cut to later upstairs, Mike straps a knife to his pant leg and puts on a cross necklace, which did not help Tommy. Paige, I have so many thoughts about this three second scene because he has a holster for his boot knife and a neck for his necklace. He puts the knife (laughs) in the holster on his ankle and then puts the necklace in his pocket. What? I had that in my notes too. I was like, what is Bro, he is a secret agent. That doesn't mean anything in this context. There's cyanide in that cross necklace. He won't be taken alive to Arrakis. If he was a secret agent, he'd be like duct taping that necklace to his like taint. Sorry. Or his Tape. I thought yeah. the, the necklace was his mom's necklace and he didn't want to wear it, but he wanted it close to his heart. Oh, I don't know who's it. Whose was it? We see it earlier in the movie, don't we? No, no, no. Tommy has a very similar one, but it's much larger. So I guess maybe it could have been Tommy's, but I doubt it. Then it might be the mom's, right? Maybe. We never hear about it or anything. But either so. way, he has a neck for his necklace and he doesn't use it. And that made me so mad. Yeah. So he runs toward the mortuary building. He goes over the fence into the cemetery. He does a B and E. He breaks and enters. He does. Yes. Uh, And he enters into like a storage closet where he sees a runaway wig. Like a wig and a wig head like falls on him and he's just like, oh, hmm. I honestly, I love that song. Runaway wig, never going back. <laughs> okay. I know what that song is. I got you. I love that song so much. So he goes into the coffin display room. Some random dude in a hat who I guess it works for the tall man that we've never seen before this moment until now. He could be a groundskeeper, Paige. We have no idea. Not a clue. Never introduced. Never established. Yeah. Uh, so he comes in and Mike hides in a coffin. Oh, Would you guys ever hide in a casket? Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. But like 
the the thing that I think is really interesting, and and this is why this is a bad ha- a bad hiding place. Every other coffin in the room is open. Yes. So when the guy comes in, that's the only closed coffin. So he's just like, I wonder where he is, and just <laughs> walks straight up to it. So that guy comes toward the the casket. He's about to open it, but before he does, the tall man interrupts and he walks out the door with the tall man. Yeah. So. Mike gets out. He makes his way out into the hallway behind them and he hears a thud and then he sees a just sphere flying over him. Yes. It's awesome. And these are the hunter seekers from Dune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the big groundskeeper hat guy that we haven't seen before and will not see after this scene. The unnamed man that is for some reason in this movie for no reason. And he's a human. He's a human. He is. He's got red blood. Yes. That's why I thought he just like worked at that funeral home. You know what I'm saying? I guess. I don't know. But he grab. Oh my God. I just realized why the tall man is tall. Because the gravity of his world. Yes. Yeah. He would be taller on this world, right? Uh, Right. Yeah. I mean, the real reason he's tall is because he's standing on apple boxes in every shot. Right. And why his legs are too close together when he's standing still. Right. So uh, the hat guy captures Mike and has him kind of like in a headlock. Mike bites his arm and gets kind of bites it. Big time. Like it's yeah. gushing blood. blood. Yes. I was like, oh my God. I not I did not expect gore from this movie for some reason. Yeah, and he kind of like squirms low enough that the sphere hits that guy in the head and it like pokes into his head and then drills. And then as it drills into his head, it siphons all the blood out. So it just like squirts and he's like, oh, there's like it's a like stream a of face blood. It literally sucks the, his entire blood out of his forehead. <laughs> all of his blood. Every ounce of blood in the body gets sucked out through Love the forehead it. wound. But here's what's crazy. So he then falls to the floor and pees himself. And we see the pee on the floor. There's no blood on the floor. Like we just saw a body's worth of blood get fountained out onto the floor. A f- it is fountained out to where the pee would be. Like absolutely in that same spot. Yes, absolutely in the same. That blood was going a conservative four foot. Like there's a pump in that sphere that's pumping that blood out. It's going way far. It's like the Bellagio fountains. It's like the <laughs> Bellagio. So he has like a, a little cone around him with no blood. And then all around him, there's a blood. So what you're saying is the only reason we don't see the blood is because it shoots further, further away the right. yes, from yes. the body than the pee drips out. That makes sense. Honestly, Paige, Mikey's right on this one. No, fuck you. Fuck you both. <laughs> <laughs> like, like we talked about, I had not seen a film lately where like the guy pees after he dies. And I was like, this is dark I'm and sorry. Yeah. Hang on. How many films do you watch regularly where a dude pees? I'm sure no, it's no, happened, no, no, no. but dies. I can't think of one. I watch a film once a week where at least one guy dies. Yeah. And those are just the romantic comedies. And those are just the romantic comedies? I don't think I've ever seen a dead body on screen pee themselves. I think I've seen dead bodies shit having themselves. already peed or shit themselves. Yeah. Like when they find the body. I thought it was a powerful, I think it's the best scene in the film horror wise. Because you, yes. in the background is Mike and he's just like, I'm fucked up now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, now? I think you're right. <laughs> Because this is the scene where I went from laughing about the orb that like has knives on the side of it, like a knife orb flying <laughs> through the air, it's a stabbing into your eyeballs, knife orb built in with the vacuum, sucking your blood out through your forehead, knife orb. Yeah, Mikey, what's it like to be on a podcast with two musical geniuses? <laughs> They left, but they'll be back later. Yeah. We're still trying to find him. So uh, Mike runs out and the tall man chases him, but he goes out the way he came through that that kind of cellar door and he traps 
he closes the door on the tall man and traps his fingers between the door. I love and this. Takes a knife and just like cuts his fingers off, and they're just like full of mustard. <laughs> it is. It is like fucking Grey Poupon shooting out of his like finger bits. No, because Grey Poupon would be the fancy kind. This is yeah, this full, is yellow. Just yellow mustard. <laughs> It's disgusting. <laughs> this movie went from like zero to gory very quickly. Wait, you don't like mustard? I mean, I do like mustard. Me too. I'm a mustard dude. Oh, really? I'm I'm a good mustard lady, but I pick my spots. I don't eat yellow mustard. I just I eat the good shit. But like ketchup, I could do ketchup all day long. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he grabs the finger and leaves. Uh, and the Jawas get through and try to grab his shoes. They get one of them. He runs home. Yes. We cut to him asleep on the stairs where the finger is in a box moving. And he's asleep with a rifle on the stairs. Yeah. He fell asleep with a shotgun next to his face. Uh, and it's loaded. When Jody comes down the stairs and finds him asleep, he takes the shotgun and like takes the bullets out of it. Yeah. Because he's like, maybe a 13-year-old should not be sleeping with a gun against his face. Right. Well, Aunt, okay, can we have a moment for this mid-century realness set slash house? Which, by the way, is very clearly multiple different sets because at various times in the movie, the layout of the house makes no sense. Yes. And rooms change. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, and they break two of those, like, banister rails, which are so cool looking. And I, I was so upset the that they broke The spiral banister them. rails? Yes. They, they do look, look so really cool. cool. Yeah. Back in the 70s, they were everywhere. They're just banister rails everywhere. Yeah. I know. Well, and he... He's got an Eames lounger. I don't know what that is. The leather chair with the wooden. It's in the living room with the green shag carpet. Okay. So you just described every room in this movie. So like that doesn't help. But like it's depicted as being by the fireplace in some shots, but then it moves throughout the house. Okay. Uh, so the Eames lounger is is a very famously designed chair from that period. Oh, okay. They're very expensive. But the fact that he has like. A full-on Eames lounger, but then just, like, an apartment kitchen is bonkers. Like, this house is depicted as being a big old house, and we know that it has the upstairs, and then it's got the living room with the Eames lounger, so all of that looks like house. And then the kitchen is conservatively a, a one-bedroom apartment kitchen. Yes. It is madness. It makes no sense. <laughs> and the kitchen changes throughout the film. We'll talk about it in a sec. Anyway, yeah. so he wakes him up, unloads the gun, and he's just like, I got to talk to you. Something weird's going on. Look at this mustard finger. And he's just like, okay, go get your evidence. And so he it like- 100% is just a mustard finger, though. Yeah, mustard finger. But you know, he's like, we've trained for this. You know what to do next. Go get your evidence. Take the gun. Like the mustard <laughs> finger unlocked him into being James Bourne. James Bourne? James, James Bourne. Bourne. It was James Holy Bond. Holy shit. Honestly, <laughs> the level of production of this movie would 1,000% be James Bourne. Todd, will you make a reel where like Mike's doing some crazy shit and then it goes to that guy being like, Jesus Christ, it's Jason Bourne. <laughs> Honestly, 100%, I will just take this the way he gets out of the room later with the hammer and the shotgun shell and then cut to that after <laughs> He gets out of the room. Please, please do. One hundred percent. That would be hilarious. 
Anyway, he goes upstairs <laughs> to get the mustard finger that he just had in his hand seconds ago. I thought it was really funny that he was like holding it and then suddenly was upstairs. When he opens the box and it becomes like a fire beetle or whatever the a fuck weird, it is. A weird freaky bug. When yeah. he opened the box that time, I really wanted it to pop up like it was the middle finger. <laughs> like giving him the finger. Like an oh. evil dead yes. mustard finger. Because that is the vibe of this movie. Yeah. This movie does not lean into the comedy elements. No, this movie uh. takes itself 100% serious. Which makes it so much better. I do think that makes <laughs> I think it better. It does, yeah. honestly. Like, because that makes it so much funnier to me because they were like believed in what they were doing. Like, Mike, <laughs> take the shotgun, go to the funeral home. I'm going to the old abandoned mine shaft, setting the traps. Bring them here. I was like, what? They're secret agents. There's no other explanation. Anyway, Reggie shows up. Uh, and he's just what what does he say? It's like it's hot as balls. Do you want to like sit up in the truck? Like he tries no, no, to he get goes, he's like, Mike's probably feeling hard. Mike, it's hot as shit outside. I'm gonna be slinging ice cream. You wanna ride with me today? Like tries to sell ice cream man as like this cool, sexy career. Yeah, what he's doing is Huck Finning or Tom Sawyering. You know, where like Tom Sawyer or it's one of the two of them was like painting a fence. It's Tom Sawyer. And he convinced his friends that painting the fence was the most fun thing they'll ever do. So they paint it for him. He was convincing Mike that the most fun thing he could do that day would be to sell ice cream. I, I mean, I would have assumed that he would have tossed Mike some money for that because Reggie seems like a cool guy. He does seem like a coolish dude. No, he does not seem cool <laughs> at all. Reggie, and like if you look up uncool in the dictionary, there's a picture of Reggie with his ponytail and ice cream men outfit right there i could not get over the fact that this entire movie he's wearing white pants white shirt black bow tie black leather vest yes i was like what the fuck did ice cream men wear in the 70s well because the like the all white makes sense it's i know the leather it's the vest, black leather that vest. Fit. i was like what the fuck like what is the- i sell ice cream out of my harley <laughs> reach into my saddlebag my favorite part is like I don't think Reggie rescued anyone but I think he told people he did oh (laughs) I would save a bunch of people those girls are dead in the sands of Arrakis and you know it the women saw me coming and they jumped into the portal I don't understand (laughs) have you looked in a mirror you don't like the rat tail it's not a rat tail Mikey it is legit he's bald on top and he's just got a bed skirt pulled back into a ponytail <laughs> and honestly growing more below doesn't doesn't make up for there not being any on top just embrace there not being any on top yeah embrace being a baldy yeah it can look good be a bald king son yeah so they try to shove that bug into the garbage disposal which ruins that jacket uh, but then there's things still crawling out of it. Like, they clearly didn't get it with the disposal. But then they do the disposal again, and I'm like, it didn't work the first time. Well, Where this we- time, they're stabbing it with a knife while doing the disposal. Right, right. I really think this whole thing serves to, like, bring Reggie in on what's going on. Because up to this right. point, he has no idea. Because he walks in. He's just been slinging that cream. Well, yeah, that's why he's been so busy. <laughs> but now the beetle is just, like, trans. well, the finger's transforming into the beetle and is, like, attacking them. And he oh, oversees that. I love talking about this movie. <laughs> is it because you one day aspire to sling that cream? Not me. I want to be a secret agent like Jody or Mike. I can't believe we've been talking about this movie for an hour and 40 minutes. Oh, Jesus. That's how much nothing <laughs> happens. 
Yeah, that's how much nothing happens in this movie is that normally at this point in an episode, we'd be at two hours. Yeah. Yeah. Because we are almost done with the movie. Of course. I'm ready for it because it gets better. <laughs> anyway, they go to their gun wall in the living room and get fully strapped. I yes! love this. He like is giving out guns like Oprah on her show, Oprah. <laughs> this needs an Edgar Wright montage of them oh, yes. loading yes. and handing out all the guns. Oh, it's so good. My favorite part of this scene is you see... Not a, like, cougar head on the wall. You see half of a cougar body coming out of the wall. A split dog, yes. Yeah, and it takes, like, almost a fourth of the room up. Like, it's not, like, a huge room they're in. Like, it's insane to have that there. Mike (laughs) killed that cat with his bare hands to get into secret agent school. He had to kill it with his ankle bayonet or whatever he has on his ankle this whole movie. Survival school 101, Todd. Well, what he did is he choked it out with his pocket crucifix necklace. You don't wear a necklace if you're going to be in combat. Someone could grab it from behind and choke you. That's what it is. This is more evidence that Mikey's spy school theory is right, Paige. You have to you have to keep in mind. Like I've got I've got an ace in my sleeve about spy school stuff, and I'm waiting until the scene comes up, and then I will talk about. It. I can't wait to hear what Agent Mahoney trained them to do next at spy mm-hmm. school. Anyway, he sends Jody to the mortuary, and he's like, "Remember the broken basement window?" And at this point, we're more than halfway through the movie. And not much has happened. Nope. It's great. In a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, we would be four kills in by now. Yeah. It's called world building. But they're not building any worlds. He's just walking around. They're building multiple worlds. (laughs) (laughs) Technically, again, Mikey is right. There are two worlds (laughs) in this movie. We don't even know that yet, though. Not yet, but we do know something fishy is going on, Paige. Can't jump Yeah, but that's it. I'm like 45 minutes of... I don't know what it is, but it's fishy. Come on. You're talking about Jaws. Is that what you're talking about? No, because we know <laughs> something fishy. <laughs> Paige, you She's know got it. <laughs> in the 70s, you had to save all of your batshit reveals for the last 15 minutes of the movie. Oh, my God. Anyway, so Jody goes to the cemetery, goes through the basement window. He turns on the light. He's attacked by a Jawa and gets bit, which for a hot second, I was like, will he turn into one? Because we don't know anything about what's happening in the movie. Yet. <laughs> we don't. That's what keeps it suspenseful. Uh, but instead, he shoots it and it jumps on his back and he almost shoots, shoots in himself the in the head. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> he almost kills himself. Yes. Yeah. I was like, that's dangerous. So what you're saying is Jody broke into this house, murdered some Jawa, and then in escaping almost murders himself. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But when he shoots the Jawas, they're always headshots. More evidence on my side. No, he gets him in the <laughs> he gets him in the chest because it just knocks him back, and then that Jawa gets right the fuck back up. Yeah. Oh yeah, but then he pulls a pro move where he like circles the gun around the back of his head to shoot the Jawa in the head when he's back. He's in a rear choke hold, which is a very dangerous position to be in. You would panic. So he's had training. That's all I'm saying. I do think this lends credence to Mikey's no, theory. It doesn't. I, I mean, it doesn't. <laughs> that's not something a person would normally do unless they were trained to do it. It's not. He almost murders himself. In this scene. It's not training. He's lucky he didn't shoot himself. And he would have had he not been to spy school. Yeah. Paige, I agree with you. Mikey's right. No. (laughs) (laughs) This is not even my ace in the hole. We'll get there. Anyway, he just shoots a bunch of of Jawas and then is just like, I'm out uh, and runs away. Tactical retreat, Paige. I do really hate that when he shoots those Jawas, we hear them make the... (laughs) Sound effects. 
I just I vividly remember Paige, one getting blasted. I love that that made you giggle like that. Oh God, that's so bad. I love it. I love it so much. Who did it? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, as he runs, the headlights of a hearse follow him off the property. And this is one of many scenes in this movie where a human being outruns cars. (laughs) No, he turns around and takes a shooting stance to shoot the driver, fires one shot, and he's like... After he outruns that car all the way up and around the hill and out that driveway. Yeah, well, you know how hard it is for a car to drive up a hill, Paige? It takes a while. It's a hearse, and he's been trained. (laughs) Anyway, he he goes to shoot at the car, and it's empty. There was nobody in it. Yeah. He only shoots one round and knows it's him because he's like, it was a headshot and it was there's <laughs> no one in the driver's seat. <laughs> Paige, it's true. It's true, Paige. Paige is like face in her hand right now. It's amazing. I can't. Anyway, the next car comes up, also looks empty, but it's just his car and it's Mike trying to get the door open for him to get in. Yeah. But they take off and somehow with Mike's car being behind the hearse, the hearse somehow ends up behind them. And so it tries to rear end them. They end up shooting at it. They shoot the windows out and then the hearse crashes into a tree. And explodes. Like someone needs to call a hearse for the hearse. Uh, not this one. The next one explodes. Oh, shit. Yes, this one just this is the one where the Jawa gets impaled on a limb. Oh. <laughs> yes. And, and it turns out that Tommy, it's it's yeah. Tommy Jawa. Tommy Jawarvis. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He's like, it's Tommy, but smaller. When Jody notices that it's Tommy, he just says, Tommy? Yeah. Like, he he's not sad. He's not upset. He's not angry. He's not like, God damn you, dirty Jawas. Like, nothing. Just... When an agent is on a mission, the emotions are in check. No. I do think this lends more credence <laughs> to the fact that Mikey's theory is correct, Paige. It's not... As much as I hate to Not admit on it, screen. so much. It is on screen. He doesn't lose it. We don't see Spy School on screen, but we see its effects on him on screen for sure. Mm-hmm. I fucking mm-hmm. can't. Anyway, he calls Reggie and is like, "Bring your truck." So Reggie shows up and he's like, "You didn't tell me it was Tommy." <laughs> and they're carrying it back to his truck. Yeah, and he's like, "Man, it's even though it's like." Uh, three-fourths the size, it's still 200 pounds or whatever. Oh, what's this yellow stuff oozing out of it? And then they put it in the back of the truck and close it, and he's like, you don't think it's going to bleed all over the ice cream, do you? I was like, yeah, you just talked about how it was oozing yellow stuff, you idiot. Don't serve that ice cream. It is covered in mustard. Yes. (laughs) He's just not the brightest. He did not get into spy school. No. (laughs) So they all get home. And someone, Myrtle, says like, oh, are you you boys back yet? Oh, and this is like when he gets scared by Myrtle? Yes. Yes. Who is Myrtle? She disappears after that. No one knows who Myrtle is or why Myrtle exists. Is she a housekeeper? Is she a neighbor? Is she a babysitter? But no one asks... How is Myrtle? (laughs) Well, Myrtle's fine because she's one of the investors in this film. And if you paid $10,000 to invest in the production of Phantasm, you got at least one line of dialogue. And this was hers. Yep. So they sit around the living room and they're just like, they clearly are crushing the bodies to half the size, which like, that's not the conclusion I would have jumped to, but fine. Me either. But it is what they say. And, and they're like, well, mom and dad were up at that mortuary too. Maybe they've crushed mom and dad. And they're like, all right, well, 
and Reggie just pops in. He's like, we got to snag that tall dude and stomp the shit out of him. And you're just like, calm down, Reggie. You're the newest to the group. Like, what is happening? See, Reggie doesn't have the training to keep his emotions in check. That's 1,000% what it is, guys. <laughs> At this point, Jody is like, we're going to take him to Sally and Susie's. Again, two other characters we've never been introduced to before. And they own an antique shop for some reason. It's the ants. It's the ants, right? No, it's not. The ant is somebody else. This is a different person. It's not important. <laughs> anyway, because like the only reason I say it's not the ants is because they're Jody's age. Yeah, they are. Or a little bit older, maybe. But like they're teenagers for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or at least early 20s or whatever. Yeah. So they drop Mike off at the antique store at night, which, by the way, which clearly is just a, an antique store that exists that was a location they could get to shoot in because he's just walking around it. And I can't think of a place that I would less want to sleep than an antique store. Oh, you mean because 85% of the things in that store are haunted? Absolutely, Todd. Yeah. Yes. Would you ever sleep in an antique store, Mikey? Probably. I mean, if she was willing and that's where she wanted to do it, he definitely would. <laughs> that's a real Tommy move, Mikey. Look, because I went to secret agent school, things like that don't scare me. <laughs> you went to public school. <laughs> public spy school? Yeah. Yeah. I could get into private spy school. I'm not a Kingsman. <laughs> Mikey and I had spy unit in our PE class, yeah. Paige. Yeah. I, I'm sorry that my <laughs> you... I didn't have circus school. That's where I learned <laughs> to juggle knives, to walk on spilts. Spilts to walk on stilts <laughs> and learn to speak Russian. I learned poison darts, knife throw, knife throwing, and shooting. Yeah. Anyway, they he looks through some photos in this antique store and sees the old man in a moving photo. Yes. And he's like, "You got to take me home right away." And instead of being like, "Your brother said to stay here," they're just like, "Okay, <laughs> get in the car." Anyway, we cut to Reggie driving. He hears a noise from the back of the truck. Yes. We cut away. Jody is just sitting in the fucking living room, just waiting for everyone to report back. Yep. He's in charge, babe. He's a good delegator. I don't understand what the problem is here. Special agent in charge, Jody. Yeah. What do you think the in charge stands for, Paige? Yeah. And our made up <laughs> title for him. Stands for? What do you think it stands for? I can't. I, I can't. really love this dynamic that's developed. <laughs> and I'm sorry that you hate it. This is the most frustrating episode we've done in a long time. So he, while he's sitting there doing nothing, dreams about the mortuary. And the old man catwalks towards him, basically. Yes. Well, because the old man in his mind thinks he's the blonde woman. Oh, but yeah, he yeah, forgot yeah, yeah. he hadn't transformed yet. I guess because they try to drag Jody into a grave. Yes. Meanwhile, we cut to Sally and Susie driving Mike home. They pull up to see Reggie's truck on its side in the middle of the road. And again, these are characters we've never met. But their dad paid $20,000 to their production budget. So they got speaking lines. We yeah. also, by the way, there's no distinction as to which one is Sally and which one is Susie. I 1000% thought they were twins in the movie <laughs> because it's driving and it's a little dark once the light hits their faces you can see that they're not like identical twins at least but they do look a lot alike yeah well because every woman in this movie is blonde yes exactly yeah. yeah so mike gets out to check on the ice cream truck the jawa is gone reggie is gone he comes back oh he also he pulls a padlock off the back of the truck where there's no place to put a padlock so like it's the padlock is pulled open as if it's been just like brute force stretched open. Yes. But it's still in like on the door as if 
like you would have had to open the door, which meant the lock would be somewhere else or whatever. It would be on the ground or whatever. Yeah. Well, what you're saying is they would have had to break the lock, remove it, open it, yeah. let the person out, and then close it and then put it back. Yeah, exactly. It's insane. You wouldn't do that. You would just throw the lock. But the extra crazy on top of it is you see as he picks it up off the door that there's no place for a padlock on that door. <laughs> it was just hanging over the handle. I didn't fucking realize that. I didn't realize that. That's amazing. But I do love it. Yeah. (laughs) I also love when he opens it, we see like an ice block with like a handprint that's melted. Just a yellow handprint. But it's only three fingers and a thumb. Yes. So it's like a Simpson hand. I noticed Because it's yellow, three fingers and a thumb. But this is pre-Simpsons. Oh, This movie literally started it all, Paige. Harry Potter, Simpsons- Dune, Star Wars. Although Dune and Star Wars were, were before this. Yeah, well, and I'm pretty sure Dune, when was the book written? 65 was when the first okay, book was released. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I'm a nerd. Sorry, I apologize. Yeah, you're the Reggie. We get it. I mean, I hate what you just said, but there's no way Reggie also doesn't know when the book Dune was released. <laughs> so I understand why you said it. I can just picture Paige, like Reggie coming up and being like, you know, the trumpet players are the worst ones in the band. And then like being like, oh, my God. And Jody did really have gods don't bother themselves with the lives of ants energy. So, yeah, I can definitely see that. You're right. Reggie's over here being like vanilla actually is the best ice cream flavor of you. You guys tried Crispix? <laughs> First off, chocolate's way better than vanilla, and Crispix fucking slaps. I honestly don't know how we are not getting paid by Crispix at this point with how much I talk about them. I don't know why we're not getting paid by Wingstop. Give me them wings. Yeah, I need a Wingstop by my house. That la- I have not ordered wings since that last time I ordered from the one on the street, and it made me sick again. Let's move on so we can get to finishing this bonkersness. Or not. Let's talk about it all day. I love it. Let's not. I don't have the time or patience to talk about this much longer with you. (laughs) girl. But I sort of love this movie. (laughs) (laughs) So he runs back to the girl's car, and they're like, what's wrong? What? What's happening? And he's like, lock the doors, drive. And he's like, like, bitch, lock the doors. I'm a secret agent. We're in trouble. (laughs) And she opens the door. Yeah. She opens it. This hooded person is out here. No, what she says is, oh, I love Jawas. What do you mean? (laughs) The Jawas attack. And then they throw Mike out the back of their VW bug into the road, which, by the way, is the coolest shot in this movie. Did they throw him out or did Mike dive out that window and learned how to roll as he dived out of a car? Hashtag spy school, motherfucker. Yeah. Paige, (laughs) come at it. Nope. Uh, So he wakes up in the middle of the street. I've done that before. It's no fun. It's no fun. He runs home and Jody immediately hugs him, but doesn't know what happened. Doesn't ask. Isn't like, why aren't you at the place that I left you? Where's Reggie? Like nothing. No, he's like, oh, Mike, I just had the weirdest dream. Let me tell you all about it. Instead of caring at all what happened to his brother. Yeah. And then uh, he's basically like, so everyone's up at Morningside and Reggie too. And again, Jody's like, I'm going to go by myself. Whoa, that, that went so well last time. Yeah. No. And and his brother, like Mike is literally yelling, they're going to kill you. Yeah. Like you're not going to make it. And he's like, (laughs) bring it the fuck on. (laughs) Well, that's after he locks him in his room using the powerful use of a screwdriver. Screwdriver. Okay. So in my dorms in college, we found out because the pressure of a door, if you slid two pennies in between the crack that you couldn't open the dorm room door. So we would penny each other into our rooms. Oh, like every my God. Like, Let me out. 
I honestly <laughs> thought this was bullshit, but it sounds like that no. may have been no, actually able to happen. Wow. Okay. That's crazy. Anyway, what I don't think would work is what <laughs> Mike then proceeds to do with the shotgun shell. But when he pulled the thumbtack out and set them out on the table, I, I like saw in my brain what he was going to do. Same. And I was like, I literally wrote, oh my God, is he about to MacGyver a shotgun hammer? And he did yeah. exactly that. <laughs> he did and exactly I love that. That that is a, a unit they taught at public spy school in Oregon <laughs> in the 70s. Now, Paige, this is still not the scene that is my ace in the hole. I, I don't know what you could possibly think is an ace in a hole more than any of this, but fine. So he explodes the door open. It's he amazing. opens it. He runs downstairs. He gets the other gun. Mortuary man's at the door, drags him out of the house, puts him in the back of the hearse, doesn't take his gun. And Mike just waits for him to drive into Morningside and then shoots through the back of the hearse. We have now arrived at the scene that proves that Mike is a spy. <laughs> he shoots out the black window and then he goes, oh, I'll shoot through the car into the wheel well. And nails it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He fires two shots, rolls out the back of the hearse and the hearse explodes. And that's the scene that transitions to be like, Jesus Christ, it's Jason Bourne. See, I thought it was because he was a mechanic, so he would know where the wheel well is, and that if he fired down, it would just hit the tire. We don't know, Paige. We don't know, Paige. Because we haven't been to spy school. <laughs> but yeah, I also, yeah. I liked that that hearse crashes, and it, like, an explosion that's like four cars worth of gasoline yeah. in that hearse. That was every car in the 70s. Well, it's like the scene in 21 Jump Street where they're like, yeah. In that chase, and it's like gasoline explosive, and it's just like a whole truck of chickens, and that's the thing that explodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Jody gets inside and he pulls out their parents' coffin, but he can't bring himself to look. Mike goes inside and the coffin is still out, but Jody's gone. So Mike looks in and it's empty and he screams and out comes one of the spheres. What the fuck is up with the spheres? I don't know. Just some guy jerking off to Dune? Who knows? So as the sphere whooshes through the air, Jody pops out and shoots it out of the air. I loved that shot too. It was great. I love that shot too. Yeah, yeah. it was great. Uh, so they go to the door that they've been hearing the sounds from, the door that the girl went to earlier in the movie. They open it and it's just a storage closet. Uh, but up pops Reggie, who's just like, hey, not only am I not dead, I'm not crunched down. I hid in a coffin. I helped all these people escape. Everyone's going to be okay. What are you guys up to? And I'm like, why was none of this filmed? Between I would shot Reggie immediately. I was like, he's not, he's not, he's <laughs> Between when we last saw Reggie and now, Reggie had a whole movie of events that was better yes. than this movie. Yes. And it happens off screen. And we see screen. none of it. All off screen. I love it. He's lying. <laughs> And this is where I think we have come to the point of the film, and that is attractive man bias in modern pop culture because <laughs> Reggie doesn't fit modern hero standards. We don't get his by far better hero story on screen. Okay, yeah. I have one question that, that shoots a bunch of holes in your philosophy. Just one question will shoot a bunch of holes? Okay. Mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. Paige, uh, what is something that all of the people who got kidnapped have in common? They're all women. They were all dead. How did he free a bunch of dead people before they got sent to Arrakis? What are you talking about? Sally and Susie aren't dead. That's who got kidnapped. How's that bullet hole coming, baby? I don't think he freed <laughs> Sally and Susie. I thought you were going to be like, Paige, 
who of these three would you sleep with? And I'd be like, Jody. That's why we believe his narrative. (laughs) (laughs) And there you have proved my point. Thank you. Oh, come on, dude. His hair looks terrible. I agree, Mikey. But that's why we don't get his story. And I think that that's rude. We should get history. I do think that (laughs) Reggie's story are all plot points that probably could have been included in this film if we didn't have so many shots of Mike walking. Yeah, this movie is 80% Mike walking from location to location. And singing little songs about breakfasts and the Ents and how Tom Bombadil couldn't be trusted with the ring. (laughs) (laughs) Or or what what did Mike call him? Tom Bimbaldi? Tom Bimbaldi, yeah, just rapping about (laughs) trees. Was that Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2? I I mean, if it wasn't, that episode was also unhinged. I don't know. His name's Bond, Mike Bond, and he didn't have time to do anything but walk from disaster to disaster i don't think we ever do learn their la- oh no we do learn their last names don't we their cover last names oh uh, that's a real last name exactly mikey what if that's why henry cavill quit the witcher so he could take on the highly anticipated phantasm reboot <laughs> no i was gonna say to be james bond oh shit uh-huh. i'd love oh, that oh shit that is a really good take on that i mean i do i know that he was fighting with the writers i think that's probably the accurate take anyway so they get to this storage closet uh that's got just a bunch of like black barrels and then those chrome pylons on the floor which you could tell that they didn't have enough money to get all the same barrels so they just got other barrels and spray painted them black because they don't all match which i think is really funny yeah but jody looks into one of the barrels and he's like dwarves which they call them dwarves but i was like the whole movie yeah how what is it like there's no explanation of how the dwarves are what is happening Paige? it's super clear here in a second we see the pressurized kegs they put the bodies in to uh, simulate the gravity of arrakis you gotta ferment those people (laughs) that's what it is this is a 12 year old tommy and it's got hints of oak (laughs) and cherry so mike while they're kind of searching around the room peeks through the pylons and realizes that it's like a portal and he hears the like remember the box don't fear and he gets kind of pulled through the portal and jody pulls him back but before he gets pulled through he sees all of the dwarves walking through a very dune like desert yeah and jody pulls him back and he's like they're using them for slaves they crush them from the for the gravity and heat and then they send them to the planet and i'm like what that's what you got from a two second glimpse through this portal he doesn't need he's a secret agent he's like there's 12 men they're armed they all have pistols (laughs) he is essentially taking a mental spy plane picture page and he's good at it it's just like that scene in fifth element where bruce willis Yes. Lance's two it seconds. Yes. like that. Yes. Because yes. Bruce Willis also went to future public spies. Yes. He gave Arrakis an ocular pat down. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. So the lights go out. Yeah. And they're like, we got to stay together, but there's clearly dwarves in there. Now, at this point, I think the film ran out of money. They're like, we have yes. a big climax, but we ran out of money. We just have to do most of this in darkness. Because they're all screaming in darkness, and then the lights come back on, and Jody is somehow outside, and Mike is also somehow outside. And then Reggie's still in that room. I love that they fucking left Reggie on his <laughs> own in that room. They were like, we got to stay together, and then immediately just bolt and leave Reggie. Well, and Reggie, who had the tuning fork earlier when he was tuning his guitar, goes yes. to the pylons and 
puts his hands on them, which clearly does something, but we don't know what because it doesn't explain it. So we cut to it makes the tall man slash bl- blonde woman have an orgasm. We see it on it screen. Also page. brings the well, house that... out of phase with its space travel. I guess is it a space projection? Is that what it is? I well, they're no. inside it, so maybe I don't fucking know. Anyway, it changes colors. Yeah, and that's how Jody and Mike became men in black. <laughs> Anyway, Reggie runs outside as well. But here's the thing that drove me nuts about the next like few minutes because everyone is now outside, right? I do love that the kid, Mike, is out there screaming, Jody, where are you? Like he's John Hankley Jr. It like made me laugh <laughs> so hard. The best part is when Jody like is like, Mike, and he's like, here you are. Yes, yes. that's what I'm getting. Because if you remember what the like layout of this set piece looks like, it's just a field. Like there's a field and then a cemetery. So they're running around screaming, looking for each other. Within a mile, they would be visible. Yes. Like there's no way you wouldn't see each other. And then, yes, Jody's like, oh, Mike, there you are. As he's right next to him. (laughs) It's crazy. And then they're like, where's Reggie? They look across the yard. Reggie encountered the pretty lady passed out in the yard. He went to help her. It's the old man. Stabs him in the chest. Yes. And this is like the most clear time you see him standing on an apple box right the tall man is when he's pulling the knife out or whatever it's like very clear yes so they're like reggie we gotta help him and jody is like it's too late he's dead so they get in a car (laughs) and drive away and as they do the mortuary changes colors but we don't know what that means or what that fades out Yeah, yeah 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 so we cut to their back at their house that the tall man definitely already knows where it is uh, and he's like, we got. Because they're not scared, Paige, because they're strapped. Well, no, because they have to go find ammo because they're out of ammo. That is true. I like movies where they're like out of ammo. They're like, they shoot so much, they run out of ammo. <laughs> yes. Well, they have, they've only fired conservatively six shots in this film. That's all they need because they're <laughs> secret agents, Paige. If they were secret agents, they would have had reserves of ammo. No, they're that good. They're like, we only need six shots to like overthrow a government. It's like the movie Sniper. No. Where he only brings like 10 bullets with him because that's all he needs. Anyway, there's an old mine shaft hitherto unmentioned, but now a key set piece. I do love that like they had not mentioned the mine. Uh, like literally it was 18 minutes before the end of the movie. Yes. And they mentioned this new location. Like it's a location they didn't know they were going to be able to shoot at. They finally got approval or paid someone to let them shoot there. And then it is not a location. I know. Talk- I know. <laughs> I know when they talk about it and then they actually show it. It's literally just a whole in the ground it's a hiking trail yeah that they- like someone dug i was like that is not a mine shaft at all yeah they're like it's a thousand feet straight down <laughs> so jody goes off because he's gonna clear the way for the mine shaft or whatever and set the traps and set the traps jody which makes is there. definitely something the kid should be doing like he sends his 13 year old younger brother to do the more difficult part of this mission he will never be a real spy unless he completes this mission Anyway, so Mike is at home. The tall man shows up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he, instead of running out of the house, just runs around the dark house. But this is where we see that this is a different house. Completely different house. Yeah. Completely different house that he was running around. Yes. 
different kitchen, different dining room. Some might call it a uh, safe house. Except that we saw them pull up to their own house, Mikey. Yeah. It's just bad filmmaking. It is terrible filmmaking. So much so that Mikey had to make up a spy school subplot to this movie that <laughs> is not shown on sense. screen for any of it to make sense. But I will admit, it really does make it make sense. Like, it's not on screen <laughs> at all. Like, we don't see any of this shit. But, like, that is the one nugget of truth that has to be true for anything in this movie to have happened this way. So Mike finally runs out of the house and runs directly into quicksand. Yes. And then runs and then gets out of the quicksand, runs away, runs towards the mine shaft, jumps over it. The tall man falls into it. Jody rolls rocks down on top of it and then does the like Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 cheer from on top of the hill. Oh, no. I thought you meant sand person like cheering. A <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it looked like that to me. I was like, man, this is another Star Wars ripoff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe. Probably. Uh, we cut to Mike in bed asleep. His eyes open. We cut to him sitting by the fireplace with Reggie. And I'm like, is Reggie alive? And at this point, Reggie's like, well, you had a dream. It was all just a nightmare. You've hardly slept since the funeral last week. And he's like, well, he took Jody and now he took mom and dad. And he's like, no, Jody died in a car wreck. So, Paige, this is the part of the movie where I thought I legitimately might have had a stroke. Yes. Because I was like, what is happening? (laughs) I have no idea what's going on. Back then, this was revolutionary. Oh, man, this is bonkers. So we cut to a different cemetery that looked very much like Forest Lawn in L.A. I don't know if it is for sure, but that's what it looks like. It's just very flat. It might as well be. Yeah. And Reggie's like. You had a bad dream, but you're not alone. I'll take care of you. I can't take Jody's place, but I'll try. And he's like, it seemed so real. And he's like, you know, maybe we could use a change of scenery. Let's hit the road for a couple weeks and we'll figure out where to go when we get there. I love how Reggie is all like, so you had a bad dream. Tommy came down, <laughs> turned people into Jawas after they've been in the ground. And it's just like. So we got in the car <laughs> and we drove all the way to the mental institution where you're going to stay. stay. Yes. Hell yeah, yeah, Paige. Love it. Mikey, what is it like to be on a podcast with two musical geniuses? A trade. A trade. <laughs> a trade. <laughs> well, while y'all sing, I make up elaborate backstories to movies in my mind. <laughs> And call it the Patreonicals. So Mike goes upstairs to pack his stuff and he finds a pic of Jody. And this, we have to talk about this picture. Oh, please. <laughs> because Jody is lounging on a bed with his guitar and then a small, like, Bichon Frise. Just like a little puffy white dog. Yeah. Like a weird glamour shot you would put on Twitter or something like that. Oh, I'm sorry. Are strong men not allowed to have cute, adorable dogs like mine, Paige? Yes. No, I'm kidding. Rude. (laughs) I mean, that's a strong Reggie move, but like, go ahead. Yeah. It's a Jody move. Jody had a small, adorable dog. No, this is a dream. And a guitar. I know a guitarist with a chihuahua. Chris, let me jump on that trampoline. (laughs) (laughs) I love how the trampoline grudge exists till this day because you built that trampoline in 2020. Do you like how I told that story at that party? Yeah, (laughs) loudly. We were literally at Chris's place where the trampoline is. And he, Mikey and I were on the back patio at this pumpkin carving party. And he loudly told the story within earshot of like 40 people. (laughs) 
<laughs> Amazing. Who do you think built that trampoline? <laughs> he literally yelled it just <laughs> like, like that is exactly word for word what he said. Anyway, back to this movie that has no trampoline. <laughs> he turns around from packing. He looks in the mirror. The old man is in the mirror. Hello, and he just boy. Goes, boy. And drags him through the mirror. And that's, that's the, movie. the movie. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what do you guys think about Phantasm? I really love talking about it. I loved watching it. I'm really excited about this franchise, and I feel like it's something I really missed out on until now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's wild. I honestly hope the sequels make less sense because yes. this is like super close to the line of it being just a bad movie but because of the bonkersness of the plot and how everything is just fully cranked to insane you can get through it i like that it follows mike's story and also the wikipedia was like there was controversy controversy because they recasted mike and i was like who is that invested i mean they probably had to recast mike because he got older like he's no longer a kid well, he could have spent a long time in that hospital. Well, that's true. We just don't know what happened, how long it was. But I, I'm more excited to watch the sequels to this than I am Hellraiser. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this is as bonkers as Hellraiser, but it's way more fun. Actually, th that's not entirely true. I'm I'm particularly excited for Hellraiser 8 Hellworld. Of course, because horsecock Henry Cavill is in that, that movie. It's the only way that blowjob scene makes sense. It is. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay, wait, I'm reading the Wikipedia. The final film in the Phantasm series, Phantasm Ravager, what? Yes. Received a theatrical release. Yes, it did. What? I'm so here for this. We have to go through three direct-to-video sequels to get back to theatrical release, Dodd. Do we? That's hilarious. I mean, this movie got a theatrical release, and we'll talk about it when we do box office. But before we get to that, Paige, do you have any fun facts for us? I do. Well, hit us with your fun facts. Jawa, fun facts. The fun fact that no one needed but is listed online is that the stone-looking exterior of the mausoleum was actually constructed of plywood and marble-colored plastic contact paper. What? The kind that you would use inside drawers. You mean that wasn't actual marble? I'm shocked. A gas, <laughs> even. Of A course gas, it wasn't real even. marble. <laughs> So Don Coscarelli, the director and, and writer, he basically creates the franchise. Uh, he rented all of the filming equipment <laughs> to use to make this movie out of his own pocket, but he would always rent it on Fridays so he could just use it over the weekend and return it on Mondays. <laughs> so he only had to actually pay for one day's rental on the equipment. That's actually really smart when you're making your first smart. movie <laughs> with your dad's money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he claims that the story came to him in a dream. I'm guessing after he had stayed up reading Dune. Yes. But he, he in his dream, he was fleeing down long marble corridors, pursued by a uh, chrome sphere, uh, intent on penetrating his skull with a needle, as in Dune. And in his dream, there was a futuristic sphere dispense, sphere dispenser out of which the orbs would emerge. Those orbs were designed by a guy named Willard Green. Do you want to know what he charged them for the orbs? Yes. Yes. Take a guess. I don't know. $1,000 each? $7. It was $1,000 total. <laughs> what? Oh, my God. Okay. I was close. That's okay. amazing. Okay. It was, it was $1,100 total. Unfortunately, he passed away before the film was finished and went to the big screen. So he, they, they never wrote that check. <laughs> I think they wrote that check, but I don't think he ever got to see it in, in the actual movie. There's two different aliases in the credits for production design and makeup and costume design, uh, as well as the novel adaptation for the film. These belong to Kate Coscarelli, 
Don Coscarelli's mother, who helped with set deck and costumes. Uh, the novel adaptation for the movie was published in 2002, but only 500 copies are produced. It's extremely hard to find, but I would assume it explains more. Honestly, why would you want to? I I don't know. Why would you want to find this? Uh, it's on Goodreads. It's got four stars. Oh, I didn't realize Goodreads had a 20 star system. Interesting. <laughs> anyway, um, the way that they did the flying ball scenes is actually pretty interesting. I thought they were on fishing wire. That that was my first thought. Uh, but actually, they hired a baseball pitcher and they would have the pitcher pitch from behind the camera and then they printed the shot in reverse. So it, it seems like the ball's coming towards you quickly. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's those, really those smart. Those shots are the coolest shots in the movie. They really are. Yeah. But it's really interesting that that's how they did it. Yeah. The original runtime was more than three hours. What? And they pared it down to under 90 minutes? Under 90 minutes. Now, okay. Which part of me is like, did Reggie's whole thing just get cut that like, would be yeah. amazing reggie's just like a terrible actor so it like didn't make it into the final cut so some of the footage was located in the 90s and they didn't use it but it becomes the framework for phantasm 4 oblivion okay it came out in 98 but the rest of the footage is believed to have been lost oh wow okay uh the coffin that they put in the back of that hearse where he lifts it on his own is paper and balsa wood so it does crack as he does it and it had a rope on the side facing away from the camera to make it easier to handle just because it was very light but it was long yeah um but you can actually see the rope in the scene as he lifts up the coffin okay now originally reggie bannister who plays reggie in the movie (laughs) of course this is real name yeah yeah So part of the reason he's in the movie is he approached Don Coscarelli uh, with an idea to adapt Ray Bradbury's novel, Something Wicked This Way Comes. And so he was like, let's put this together. However, they literally learned that week that Bradbury had already sold the novel's rights to Disney. So they couldn't do it. So they decided to try and do their own thing, which is they never admit to it being based on dune at all but it's like aggressively based on dune i mean it's also sort of a classic hero's journey like so i get that there would be similar themes anyway sure, but it is except very the box dune. Yeah. and the spheres and the, dune and the, cantina. the planet and the cantina yeah. yes crazy yeah 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 uh so the boobs for the lady in the cemetery are a body double. Oh, you mean the tall man doesn't have boobs like that? The lady in lavender, as <laughs> that alternate character is called, uh, an actress named Kathy Lester did not agree to be filmed topless, which is why you never see her head and her boobs in the same shot at the same time. Good for her. Uh, in order to write this film, Don Coscarelli spent a few weeks in an isolated cabin in the mountains outside Los Angeles while writing the script. All the dwarves in this movie are played by children. Of course. That's why you never see them. And... Allegedly, the song Ace of Spades by Motorhead is based on this film. (laughs) What? (laughs) It's released the year after this movie comes out. The Ace of Spades. (laughs) And those are your fun facts. 
Well, let's talk a little bit about box office. So this movie came out in 1979. What do you think the production budget was for Phantasm? Two dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Two million dollars. Um, no, in 78? 79. 79. Well, they were filming it in 77, technically. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I can adjust it to 77. So 77, what do you think it was? So, 77, probably $150,000. I'm going to say, say 500000 Okay. So I will be completely candid on this. The filmmaker said there was no accountants on set, but he estimates the budget around $300,000. That okay, he that did sense. get from his father Like he borrowed yes. the money from his dad To make this movie uh, But at the time in 1977 Paige If you adjust that for inflation to today That would be almost 1.5 million dollars It's 1.4 million dollars Dang Now I don't have the weekly breakdown for the movie But I do have it's domestic box office run So what do you think it made while it was in theaters and it only got a domestic release. So I guess technically this is worldwide, but it only played in the U.S. Two million dollars. Okay, Paige, what do you think? Only played in the U.S.? I'm going to go 800,000. Okay. This movie made $11.9 million in the box Shut office. Shut the fuck up! Oh, <laughs> if you budget in inflation, that is roughly $58.7 million today. So on a $300,000 budget, they made almost $12 million. That is why they made sequels to this. Damn. But that is your box office. Mikey, do you want to hit him with that scary scale? Wow. Scary scale. <laughs> I'm taken aback. Yeah, you should be. Our scary scale listeners, a scale of one to 10 of how scary we found the film today. Our one example is Ghostbusters, and our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Page one. Todd. Also a one for me, Doc. I also give it a one, and that's our scary scale. Yeah. So this week, you guys made me watch Phantasm. What are we watching next week? And I swear to God, if it's Phantasm, too i'm quitting ha, no hey guys this is todd breaking in because we were gonna initially do smile next week but we realized it wasn't streaming until later in the month than we initially thought so we're gonna bump up chopping mall so your homework for next week is to watch the critically acclaimed question mark movie chopping mall and then check back next monday for that episode uh so mikey do you have a review for us to read no i forgot about that part then uh, let me go ahead and tell them how they can have their review read on the podcast, and that is to leave us a five-star text review, and we'll have Mikey read it for you. So, Mikey, whose review are you going to read this week? Oh, we got a bunch to this week. Okay. We did all right, yeah. I'm not reading that one because it talks bad about me, but it's still five-star. I'm reading the other one. That's what you get, Clinton 7. You should have been nicer to me. You know I read the reviews. What did he say about you? Mikey is Mikey, for better or worse. <laughs> is that the whole review? No. Oh, that's okay. One, that's the one sentence that sticks out. Okay. He has a whole review. Maybe I'll read it sometime, but maybe you'll edit it and make it better. Uh, Marilyn. <laughs> Mikey has notes for your review. Was it Clemson? <laughs> Clemson 7? Yeah, yeah, Clemson 7. Watch your back. <laughs> <laughs> well, whose review are you going to do? Marilyn Poto. All right, well, what does Marilyn Poto have to say? Har at its best. Oh, I thank you. Thank you, dear Todd, Paige, and Mikey for your thorough reviews and opinions on great and not so great movies here and on RTP. Oh, why thank you. The banter between you is hilarious, and I appreciate the terror Todd faces with each title. Sorry, not sorry. It's not each title. I mean, this title, there was no terror for this title. True. I wait each show with impatient anticipation. Ooh, that's hard to say. I especially love the punishment dolled out between the three of you. Ah, it's a pun. Keep up the fantastic <laughs> work. Five stars. Well, thank you very much, Marilyn Poto, for that awesome five-star review. And if you want to have Mikey read your review, maybe clean up your review a little bit, Clemson. 
And uh, maybe Mikey will consider it. Or just leave us a new five-star text review and we'll have Mikey read it for you. So this episode brought to you by Tia. And Tia's teenager's been driving her crazy. So how has Tia's teenager been driving her crazy this week? She got detention in spy school. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, Tia's teenager, that's how you get your ass kicked out of spy school. And you don't want that because then you're never going to be able to figure out how to make a shotgun hammer. (laughs) This episode also brought to you by Jonathan And Jonathan wants me to make you watch some spooky spider videos And I think he actually sent us one So let me share my screen with you So we can watch this spooky spider video You guys ready? Yes It is a quick 15 second video about a shoe Nothing else in the shoe obviously It's just about a shoe Oh no Yeah that spider is too big to be in that shoe Oh no Oh, oh, Paige, do you know what kind of spider that is? It looks huntsman-y, but it's kind of too crunched up, and the legs make it look like maybe it's a large orb weavery kind of thing. It could just be a banded huntsman. Either way, it's gross. I hate it. Ugh, in my shoes. I wasn't a big fan of that. <laughs> so, Jonathan, thank you so much for that spooky spider video and the support. More for the support than the spooky spider video. But we now return you to another episode of uh, The, the Patreonicals. Okay, where are we quantum leaping to today, friends? The continent at the conjunction of the spheres. <laughs> so we should go to Iraq. Yes, we are leaping from wherever we were last episode, I can't remember, to Arrakis. All right. The day Paul Atreides' family arrives. <laughs> That's a really specific moment. That ah, fuck it, we're here. Okay, <laughs> they quantum leap into Arrakis. Yep. And um, Jennifer with a PH is like, uh, that's my favorite book. And Anthony's like, girl, I brought them here to impress you. And open on a sandy world where lots of Jawa-like creatures scurry around. Of course. And you cut to Isaac eating a Jawa. (laughs) Just out of the gate. He's like, oh, I got to taste one of these new ones. Just mustard all over. (laughs) I mean, Jawas do taste a lot like if you stuffed a pretzel with mustard, that's what they taste like. Fuck, I would eat one. So I know bad. you would. You would definitely Isaac a Jawa. <laughs> Karun is high-roading everyone because he's like, well, actually, this is not what space is like. <laughs> Scott, who's made of a thing, he sunk waist deep into the sand and cannot move and is stuck there for the whole time. <laughs> okay. Danielle and Aaron and Libby. Our Mun people with their Mun babies with Wes strapped on their back while he continuously makes Mun clones. They just start snorting a bunch of spice. <laughs> oh, They're just like running around. It's like not cool. They must have a film deadline. They're just trying to finish that script, like just snorting the spice. You can always tell the writers in Hollywood because they have like glowing blue eyes. Dreskel and Kate and Amy are all like, okay, what can we gather here in Arrakis to help us fight Anthony the Time Lord? We've got this cube of energy that Jeremy laser-eyed in or said he was going to or whatever. Yeah, it's the all-spunk. The all-spunk. Yes! Instead of the all-spark. Yeah, because he had Ah! Mr. Ragebomb take it into the forest and fuck it to give it energy. I forgot about that. I've been saving that joke since I edited the Halloween Ends Uh! Patreonicals. (laughs) <laughs> Which in truth was two days ago. Like I, it took me forever to finish that fucking edit. Okay, so they they decide to take the black box that Paul puts his hand in and put the all spunk into it. Oh, okay. That's how you that's how you power it up. Yeah, yeah. Kate used her psychic powers. Constructed. Mamie's like designing it. 
And then uh, Shining Donut, he is a he turns into a giant donut to feed the people of Arrakis who are really desperate for food. Yeah, because you know how the people of Arrakis, this desert area where they literally boil down each other's bodies to drink, what they really need is food. It's that food. <laughs> drink the jelly filling. They're boiling down the strawberry filling. That's what it is, yeah. I love it. Uh, Nathan, the professional wrestler, he ends up wrestling um a sand person what are they called in there a, a tuscan raider no oh, that's oh, sorry that's that star wars. wars yeah you're thinking of fremen one of the fremen yeah he's wrestling him because he wants to learn the wrestling moves so he's like the duncan idaho he goes out to like learn where the fremen that are that was yeah. the name i couldn't think of was yeah. duncan idaho yeah. Te- teach me Allie the mermaid not having a good day she's just Flapping in the desert, drowning. Oh like no! Drowning, like, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I picked Arrakis. I didn't think about our mermaid friend. I'm so sorry, yeah, Allie. She's not doing good. Uh, the Florida man, Boezy, he is powerless because his sea dew can't sea dew through sand. Well, he's got his wakeboard and is wakeboarding down the dunes. Of course, I have been out Florida manned. <laughs> Cody has his pawn shop set up to sell bottles of water that he brought with him. Oh, Way overpriced. Man. He's getting so much spice. Oh, yeah. Dude, that's honestly smart. Love it. Love that for him. Uh, Jeremy and Alex the magician and Lauren the cave person and Mr. Rave Bomb are walking down. Walk, 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 walk. And, there they go. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, someone riding a sandworm comes up and she's wearing, you know, the cartoon heavy metal. Yes. It's that chick with the metal bikini and a sword. She's riding the sand dune. Her name is Garotica. <laughs> okay. That's honestly metal AF. Riding a sandworm. Yeah. She's like, you're, she's from Arrakis. She's like, what the fuck are y'all doing here? And then like it attacks. And the magician is like, throws a smoke bomb down. He disappears. And then <laughs> um, Jeremy's like, Mr. Raybomb, jump up in the air. And he shoots his laser eyes and it, projects Mr. Rageball into the sandworm's mouth and he blows up and then they kill a they, maker. They kill a worm. Wow. Okay. Garotica screaming and yelling at them for killing her sandworm. Yeah. I would be very upset if I had a sandworm I could ride and they killed it. Yeah. yeah. And then Dave is walking down the street in the main uh, city that the Paul, the Atreides family lands in. Sophia, a time cop. Oh my God. Pulls a gun on him and is like, Freeze! It's time, police! And he's like, what? She shoots him anyway. What? she's police. She's like, freeze, Dave! And he's like, you're not gonna know nothing from me! And then he ends up, like, jumping off a cliff. Oh, okay. Damn. I do love the levels at which Dave will go to to not snitch. He's not a snitch, no. man. And then all of a sudden, Sophia the time card starts, like, quantum. She's like, ah, oh, I'm stuck in there! Quantum Leap stuff! And then, uh, Garada- oh, no! Garotica is a is, is a holding down Jeremy, just beating the shit out of him. Nice. And then she gets pulled into the quantum leap too, and they all get quantum leaped away. I guess we'll have to wait till next week to find out what happens on another episode of uh, the, the Patreonicals. That's gonna be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey, and I'm your horror virgin, Todd. Keep it ooky spooky. Yeah. Have a great week. Bye, Phantasmagora nerds.